T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, well, thriller, sure. By the way, what uh, if you did not watch the game, what happens at the end is the Sixers uh, get the ball down three with two-tenths of a second to go, and Bede hurls one three-quarters the way down the court. It goes in, but it is too late, and they lose. Good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Macnow along with my pal Jody Mack. Jody, how are you today? Well, other than the gut punch that was the end of the Sixers-Celtics game, I'm okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a definitely it's a playoff atmosphere down there last night. It's the great rivalry. It's an 8:30 tip-off national TV. Sixers had lost their first two to the Celtics this year, uh, and Bede has been playing great recently. Everybody was excited. This is going to be a game that shows so much. And Jody, the Sixers are easily in control into the third quarter. They are up by as many as 15, and of course, the lead is never safe. They blow the lead. They lose the game. 60 games in, they are down four to the Celtics. So what the hell happened, and what does it mean? Well, what happened is uh, a star player made a big basket at the end of the game, and I'm going to nitpick a couple things about it here in just a second. But big picture, yeah, they're not as good as Boston. And I know this annoys some Philadelphia fans when you don't put them on a pedestal that – uh, they think they deserve to be on. Boston's better than they are. 0 oh, for yeah. 3 is 0 for 3. And they played them three times. The opener last night, one game earlier this month. Boston's just a better team. Now, if you're if you're looking for something to cling to, if you come to that realization, uh-oh, we're behind Boston, and Boston is not only the best team in the East, I think Boston's the best team in the NBA, well, then you got to hope that this is the same year that the Phillies had because they finished well behind the Braves and the Mets in the regular season, and they just got hot at the right time at the end of the season, got on a roll, and ended up in the World Series. That's kind of what you got to hang your hat on if you're a 76er fan at this time. It is your hope. I think it's tougher to do in basketball than it is in other sports. Hockey's the easiest sport, right? You can be a seven seed, beat a two seed. I think baseball, you get hot pitching, you can do it. Um, basketball, I think, is tough. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the season's not over. Um, the thing that, that killed him last night, well, one of many things, maybe the lead is the bench. 12 points and 70 combined minutes of action by the bench. And it, the problem is they can't take him beat off the floor. They certainly can't take him beat and harden off the floor. They have no legitimate center when him beat comes off. The bench, Jody, was a minus 74. Wait, that might have been the Flyers last night. No, the bench, <laughs> the bench was a minus, including a, a poor night by Tyrese Maxey. Paul Reed had, here, here's a line, here's a, uh, a line. Paul Reed, 
uh, f- let's see, played four minutes and 24 seconds. He had two turnovers, zero points, and was minus 14. Um, and the, the carcass of Al bleeping Horford, age 85, gets five uncontested threes and hits them all. Um, I mean, the game plan was clearly not to cover him. So, and the Celtics, by the way, know how to defend better than the Sixers. Um, so we we are you you know we are talking big picture and 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 you're right the big picture is that they aren't as good as the Celtics. Is there any other thing that you can look at at the game and say, here's what they can do better? They got 22 games left in the regular season. Here's what they need to do so that once again it's not that second round exit. Right. Um, here's the only other big picture. Um, point that came out of the game other than being ticked off and frustrated and everything else. There, there is a percentage of Sixer fans. I don't know if you and Sielski got these calls. I don't even know if you and I have gotten them. I've gotten them on my Monday night and Tuesday night gigs here on WIP and via social media. The whole narrative of, well, if they don't do it this year, then they got to trade Embiid because he's proven he can't take them to a championship. they got to start for lack of a better word, the process. No, I'm not even going to go there. They they need to start the rebuild all over again, the retooling, the restructuring, call it whatever you want. I think we all understand what what we're getting at here. No, they can't. They got one of the best players on the planet. If they don't have Joel Embiid in that game last night, they lose by 30. You, You just ran down how incompetent the bench was. And, oh, by the way, James Harden, who's played very well. He's had a good season. I, I don't want to uh, pull his season down to just one night. He couldn't make any shots last night. He gave him nothing. Maxie was part of that bad bench, and he's supposed to be their instant offense off the bench, and he wasn't hitting anything last night. If Embiid isn't in that game, it's not even a competition. It's a blowout. So the whole we need to restructure and, and restart the uh, rebuild I'm not buying into that. It'll fall to Daryl Morey or whoever they decide if Morey's not the guy to put the other right pieces around Joel Embiid. He's still young enough that they can uh, restoke the entire roster around him. But I'm not trading him. I, I, I'll i have none of that. The All right, well, we got to take four steps backwards to potentially take six steps forward at a future date. No, no, no thank you. I don't want any part of trading Joel Embiid for draft picks. No, <laughs> clearly no. And, and you clearly, know, Glenn, there's a whole bunch of people that they, they can't that, get out of the second round. We need to start this thing all over yeah, again. Oh, Joel Embiid yeah, has proven he can't yeah. take us anywhere. Sure, let's tank for another decade. That'll be fun. Um, I know there are those people, and those are the people that want to trade. And those are the people that want to trade Ryan Howard, and those are the people that you're the face of the franchise, and the franchise isn't good, so it must be your fault. And that, that's that. I don't even think that's just a Philadelphia thing. I think that's a sports thing. You know, our I'll team isn't that. good enough. Let's lay it on the best guy because he should be able to drag us to a title all by himself, and he can't. So yes, those people do exist. I pay them no heed because, well, listen, it's such a long-standing frustration, Jody, because they have had him beat all these years. He's done his part. He is the only draft pick left from the entire process who is here, right? That's I'm, I'm not missing anybody. I don't think I am. And they've never made the finals, let alone win a title. Um, and if Embiid can't save the day, 
they are they are screwed. They've got nothing. So it is on him. The thing in addition to that is we've never had that long playoff run from him. We've never had that great postseason memory. He's been erratic at times in the playoffs. Um, maybe he's come up small a few times in the Toronto game, but I can't really lay any of this on him. I mean, that's that is silly, and I know there are people who are like that. Um, but no, I am I am not going to be of that. It was such a frustrating night. By the way, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Such a frustrating night. Um, and the Celtics are better. It's the, the thing that, that's that's really bothersome is Jason Tatum has a poor night. Sixers actually covered him well. But he's good enough to make that game-ending shot um, at the end that everybody knew he was going to take. Everybody in the arena, everybody watching on TV, everybody knew he was going to take that. And he did. The Celtics know how to defend. And... and what I think it comes down to, and this is where I'll disagree with Jody, is the game is Jody offered the possibility that the Sixers can do something more in the playoffs because lower seeds win. Um, but I think, Jody, that the game was more indicative of what it's going to be like in playoff time. And I think this is the kind of thing that happens every season to the Sixers. It has during this last, where do you want to go back a decade? You start with the process and then they finally make the playoffs. And yes, consecutive uh, second round ousters. And you, you have to take the attitude of, well, until it changes, I don't think it's going to change. Or you don't. Or you just be optimistic. You look at it as glass half full and go, all right, yeah, but there are upsets. There are teams that surprise. We just saw it here in Philadelphia not six months ago with our baseball team who was in third place, last team to make the playoffs, and actually were ahead in the World Series. It, it may be just grasping at straws. I don't know, but it's better than, all right, let me give up on the basketball season now because I can tell you ahead of time what's going to happen. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win in the first round. They're going to play Milwaukee or Boston in the second round, and they're done. So who did the Eagles draft again in April? Yeah, if you want to go there, you can go there. If you want to just start the the process of getting past your basketball team, okay, I guess I'm a bit more of an optimist who's going to say I'll cling to the uh, the chance that maybe this year is different. I will watch. I will cling. But I ain't really believing because they've given me no reason to believe this is different from other years. I hope it is. It can be. Things happen. Hey, listen, the thing with the Phillies is, you remember, they were 22 and 29, and then they fired the manager, and then they were really good after that. They didn't go into – I know they went to the playoffs as the third best team in their own division, but they really were on a hot streak. Sixers have, what, 22 games left now? And a tough schedule. So I think winning a lot of those will be incumbent. Now, but let me let – yeah. well, since you went there, do you think Rob Thompson put – put a percentage on it for me. You quoted the numbers and the change at manager, and then things change. Do you think it was more Rob Thompson was just the perfect guy, the perfect fit, or the team had been underachieving to that point, and the players kind of stepped up thereafter and got them into the postseason? A uh, combination more that it's, it's probably more Girardi was a problem than Thompson was a you know ideal uh, Casey Stengel or whatever, but he was good. 
I don't he know. Did, he did a very good job. You're they right. They need to, but they they need to get hot, right? Do we agree? And they, well, they have been hot. Let me put it this way. They need to win some of these games, these test games. And this, to me, last night was a real test game. Now, when the game ended, Jody, I'm watching. I see Boston hits the shot. Tatum hits the shot. I see Embiid hurl that thing down the court. For a half a second, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. We're going over. I'm never going to bed. We're going over. (laughs) And, by the way, the game ended, like, I think around 1130. I don't normally get that jacked up about it. I could not fall asleep for like an hour after that. But nonetheless, I immediately flipped off my TV. You say that in doing so, I actually missed some pretty good drama. Yeah, you did. And I had no choice. I was on the air. So I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning. So there was no going to bed after that game for me. But uh, I had a taped interview on at the time. So I actually got to pay attention, strict attention, listen to the broadcast, and watch the end of the game. Um after Embiid makes the shot, and oh, by the way, Embiid knew it wasn't good because yeah, you know. saw he him. He just walked off. He he went straight to the tunnel. Yeah. He didn't even wait for them to go over and review it. He knew that the ball was yeah. still in his hand. So uh, to Joel's credit, number one, he made the shot. Number two, he knew it wasn't any good. Um, after the game, Lisa Salter's interviews um, the, the the star player of the game, Jason Tatum, because he made the the, the winning shot. He didn't play all that well, to be truthful, mm, over no. the course of the game. They did a good job of defending him, uh, but he made the biggest shot on the biggest uh, at the biggest point. Oh, and I got a defensive issue on that, which I could give you too. Um, but anyway, Tatum's like leaning over and resting on his knees, and he just looks at Lisa Salter and goes. Damn, I'm tired, which tells you the Sixers worked them. They made them work for the win, which was a good thing. She goes, all right, go get some rest. He jogs away from her, and instead of going into the uh, locker room, he runs over underneath the Sixers' basket, and they got the velvet ropes up that separate the fans from whatever, and he's right up against the rope, and he gives a bro hug to a guy sitting in the first row, standing there uh, in front of the first row, and then he starts to take his jersey off. And somebody hands him a Sharpie, and he signs his own jersey and gives it to this person standing in the front row. And I said to myself, oh, shoot, I recognize who that is. It's Devonta Smith, who rang the bell before the game and stayed for the game, I guess. And he's dapping up the guy who just stuck a dagger in the Sixers' heart and is getting an autographed jersey from him after the game. And the first thought that comes to my mind is, Oh shoot! This isn't going to go well in Philadelphia. No, no, this no. this is not going to play well. No, nor should it. Now, I know because you and I talked before the show. Your initial feeling on this, and I, I'd rather you say it than me, is he has that right. He does, and I've been having this argument with Philadelphia fans for thirty years now. Um, that when you're a player who comes from somewhere else, not Philadelphia, and then you become a Philadelphia pro athlete, a percentage of the Philadelphia fans believe, well, you just have to drop every other loyalty you've ever had and become a 4 for 4 guy in this town. Those are the rules, and you must subscribe to them. Um, they never actually think about the fact that, well, there are great Philadelphia players, high school stars, college guy Villanova basketball players, who if they uh, start somewhere else, they're supposed to give up their loyalty to the Philly teams that they've been rooting for forever. It's got to be consistent. It's got to be both ways, and I think that the fans don't quite get that. 
But, uh, yeah, I, I knew for a fact that this was not going to play well because of those people who believe once you move to Philadelphia, you have to be a loyal, unquestioned, everyone else on the planet is an enemy type uh, individual on whatever pro sport you're talking about. Uh, I agree with you about 75% here. Uh, and by the way, how does this explain Rasheed Wallace rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs? But what, uh, what was that all about? Cause I have Sheed... no idea because he's from here and he played in Detroit and he went. I mean, it's like th- there's no connection there whatsoever. But and oh, by the way, Rasheed, sorry to interrupt. He is a diehard Flyers fan. I've seen him mm-hmm. at Flyer games with Flyer jerseys on and on the road in other places, other towns. Because you're right, Rashid played a bunch of different places over his career. He'd make sure he got to the Flyer games and wear his Flyer jersey proudly. Yeah, I know. How the hell did he become a chief? Fan? I don't get that. Whatever. I don't get that. But here's my and people root who they root for who they root for. Uh, Devontae Smith from Louisiana, right? And went to school in Alabama. But yep. whatever. If he became a Celtics fan because his dad was a Celtics fan, but I didn't know. He's got the right, so I don't I don't begrudge him the right to do it. And yes, you live here. I think I think if you're a pro athlete here, you're part of the brotherhood. And so, under normal circumstances, you should root for the local team. But if they're playing your favorite team, fine. Two things shouldn't have happened. One, if he's going to do that after the game with Jason Tatum, I think a little discretion would have been good. Hey, I'll meet you outside after the game, and you know we'll do that. Doing it in right in the middle of the floor after everybody there had their heart broken was not the right way to do it. More than that, I think bad move by the Sixers having him ring the bell last night when he's a Celtics fan. And by the way, they should have known he was a Celtics fan because I saw. I'm sure you saw this on Twitter on social media when they posted him ringing the bell. But dozens and dozens and hundreds of people said he's a Celtics fan. So having Devontae Smith ring the bell is cool. Having him do it last night, really bad move by the Sixers. Agree on on both fronts. Discretion always a good idea. And yeah, shame on the Sixers. I don't know. That was that the only way they could get Devontae Smith to come to a game. Or did Devontae reach out to them and go, hey, I'll ring the bell if you need me, and I'm available that night you play the Sixers. Uh, it's going to be the Celtics. I, I don't even know how that came together. I, I but don't know, but that was, the, the results was really were bad pretty call. bad. That, yes. was a, that, was a, that was a big game, national game, huge, you know, where do we stand game. They should have not done that. All right, let's, uh, let's get a phone call in here, 215-592-9494. Russell in West Deptford wants to talk about the Sixers and their coach. Good morning, Russell. Uh, good morning. That was Matt. Sorry, Glenn. Yeah. Good morning. That was that was from Medford. But I've uh, been, been a oh. fan of you guys for a long, long time, and uh, I grew up listening to you guys and uh, appreciate your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, um, if you watch the Sixers long enough, you realize that they're they're a very good team. They got good players, but they're not smart. They don't play defense like Boston does. And I think a lot of it has to do with the coach. And if you watch their games, it's like it's almost a free-for-all. There's no set plan. Um, Harden gets the ball. He does his crossover, burns 10 seconds, gives it to Embiid, who in a big big game will get triple teamed. And Embiid's not a good passer. And I think that's, that's ultimately the downfall of the Sixers that when MB gets the ball, teams know that they can triple team, double team him, and a lot of times he'll give the ball away. If you go, if you go back to the big games in the last few years, he gets the ball at the end of the game and ends up with a turnover, and, and I think a lot of that's coaching. 
I really do. Well, last night, 41 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, three turnovers. I can live with that. No, if, you, if you're worried about Joel Embiid after last night's game, the, the Sixers lost the way they lost. There's 22 reasons why Joel Embiid is like number 21 out of 22. Yeah, but Joe, do you, don't you think that's partly coaching has something to do with that? I mean, the ball doesn't move around on the team very well. Yeah, Harden's a good assist, man. But you see guys standing there watching those two guys with the ball out. And I think, it, I think it's coaching. And it's worked to have them with the fourth-best record in the NBA. The problem is there's two teams in the East that are better than they are. So how do you get above them? That's a whole other question you got to answer. But uh, I'm not – I got a problem with Doc on one thing last – well, two things. Number one, why is Harden in the game at the end? Uh, again, I know you oh, watching talking about back. the defense when they're in. Yes. When it goes to, yeah. There's 10 yeah, yeah, seconds yeah, yeah. to go after MB yeah. makes the two free throws. Yeah, yeah there's right. one job, which is don't let him score, and Harden's not the guy to do it. Uh, they, they, they dodge a bullet because they got a foul to give. So they come up the floor, Boston, Tobias with a smart foul. They take it from 10 seconds down to five seconds. You didn't pull Harden on defense to begin with with 10 seconds to go. Now you got it down to five. So the chance of a quick miss and then you need a big basket, somebody throwing a 35-footer is even less because you only got five seconds left. And he leaves Harden in there again. Easy pass into Marcus Smart, hard nowhere to be found near him, and then uh, Smart throws the perfect bounce pass to Tatum for the open three. Boom, game's over and done with. How do you have Harden still in the the on the floor as a defense defense only? I understand you need him on offense, but with five seconds to go, it's about one thing and one thing only: getting a stop. And he's one of your five guys on the floor, and sure enough, he plays weak defense during that five seconds. That's on Doc Rivers. That's a very good point. Uh, all right, so two one five. Five nine two ninety four ninety four. Jody, we have a, a lot we got to talk about today. Uh, Larry Anderson is going to join us at eleven o'clock. We will talk to Larry about oh all those new baseball rules and the clock. By the way, I don't know about you. I uh, listened to the game, the the Phillies preseason opener, on the way home yesterday, and then I watched the game with uh, Tom McCarthy and Ben Davis. A brisk two hours, two hours and thirty four minutes. <laughs> Loved it. Loved that new rule. We'll talk to L.A. about that and um, where, where he sees the team going. We'll talk to Jimmy Kemsky of uh, Philly Voice, get his take on all issues around the Eagles. Oh, and by the way, Jody, the Flyers lost 7 to nothing to the Devils last night. They have been outscored 12-2 the last two nights. And a quick question for you. I know you're a hockey guy. I'm more of a hoops guy first, hockey second. You're a hockey guy first, hoops second. How much of that Flyer game you watch? Um... 10 minutes. Yeah, that's Well, 10. you know what? I watched it when the Sixers were in commercial. Yeah, 10, 10 more minutes than I did. I'll, yeah. I'll be 100% honest. I flipped over to college basketball when the Sixers went to commercial. 10 I was minutes. More... I got to see two goals. <laughs> Both of them by the New Jersey Devils because yeah, well, the Flyers did not score last night. Oh, God, so pathetic. Uh, anyway, we'll, 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 we'll continue this uh, talk about the Sixers. And you read the, the point you just raised with um, who people should root for. And um, people root less and less for their home team. Again, Devontae Smith is from Louisiana. I don't know, you know, if, if he thought he should have been a Pelicans fan when he grew up. Actually, when did the Pelicans move there? Long enough ago. Okay. So, so he had that opportunity and chose not to go. I have a theory, Jody, as to when it started that a lot of people, kids, stopped rooting for the home team. And the only clue I'll give is it's when you and I were working together for the first time. Uh, oh, anyway. I, I, I know what it is. Well, 
I'm sure you do. Uh, it's not what you think it, uh, I'm going to say. Oh, okay. I, I'm, well, I'm going well, somewhere else. But it did, did all start during the first iteration of Mac and Mac. Which was a great era in public broadcasting. <laughs> in, sorry, not public broadcasting. Uh, in public broadcasting. broadcasting. Yes. There, there go. All right, so we got a lot we want to cover, and we would love to talk to you today. Take a lot of calls, 215-592-9494. Hey, if this winter we've endured hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty, inefficient windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guided Door and Window can help they're giving you one more month. Actually, at this point, it's ooh, just a couple of days to do so at the best prices of the year. Now, if you have not taken advantage of Guida's Big Winter Sale, this is your last chance to do it. You receive 40% off every window and door you buy. Yep, 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window. That also includes free high-performance low-E glass and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Offer will expire at the end of February. This is what? The 26th. End of February. It's a short month. Don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't think that's us. They must mean a different show. Exactly. Uh, okay, we're, we're going to get into the, the whole baseball stuff uh, in a couple of minutes, but we kind of left a topic at the end that I thought was pretty interesting because I think you and I may have a different take on it. And it, it, we do agree that over the last 20 years, more people started rooting for teams other than their home team, correct? I would say more than 20 years, but uh, okay. we're in the general vicinity, as you said earlier. The, the when you and I were doing the show together in the nineties, yeah, that was more than twenty years ago. <laughs> Jody, all blends together for me. Looking backwards, everything gotcha. I think was like last week, and it was five years ago. So yes, okay, twenty-five years, thirty years, whatever it was. Um, and um, it, we brought it up because Devontae Smith is from Louisiana, and he's cheering on the Celtics yesterday and exchanging a jersey, getting a jersey from Jason Tatum. And again, it is his right. I think it was probably a bad look to do it right there and then, but. I have a theory as to when this started. You do, too. You want to go first? Yes. Um, here's when it kicked in for me. And it's just personal what, what, what transpired for me. Now, it didn't affect me the way I think it's affected some others. But I saw the possibilities. It was the Internet. Mm. Quick story. Um, I'm at ESPN before I ever got into radio back in the early 80s, early to mid 80s. And a friend of mine, every single Sunday when we're working in Sports Center, would take a copy of the Boston Globe, and he would make a copy of uh, uh, Peter Gammons' Sunday Notes column. Oh, the best. Which is one of the greatest baseball weekly uh, missives you could possibly put out. Still to this day, it's as good as anybody's ever done. And he would make 50 copies for everybody who was working <laughs> in the building that day. Because it was that good, he felt everybody needed that information, and we got like three copies of the Boston Globe delivered to ESPN. So you either pass it around to everybody all day, or somebody takes it, makes a copy of it, and then gives it out to everybody. And I thought that was great, and I couldn't wait for him to make the copies because I was so far down on the pecking order of the working people, I'd never get my hands on the Globe. It went to all the people well above me in the ESPN stratosphere. So I just loved that. 
but it took work, and you had to be able to take the time and make the copies and stand there for 25 minutes. Now you just go to BostonGlobe.com. Boom, done. You can get any piece of information from anywhere on the planet. The Internet kind of exploded while you and I were doing MAGA Mac in the 90s. You adapted to it quicker than I did. More power to you. But now everybody, you can't go two minutes without reaching for your phone to punch up the Internet or sitting in front of your PC or whatever else. It shrunk the world. Yeah. So you could become a fan of the Colorado Rockies if you want to do, even though you're living in Philadelphia, because you could get all the information. You can watch all the games. There's uh, tickets that you can buy that uh, allow you to watch every single home game your team plays in. The world's drunk on us, Mac, man. Uh, no question. And I think that's a great point, probably more important than my point, um, because you're right. And you can follow a team anywhere and be – be a fan of it at any time. And by the way, you can now you can stream it all on TV, right? Whatever Correct. your team is, you can follow them on TV, which is not quite the internet, but kind of the same neighborhood. Mine's a little dumber, <laughs> but this is when I noticed it. And you're right, it's 25 years ago because this was my kids and their peers, and my kids are now in their 30s. Starter jackets. Starter jackets is what started this because when my kids were eight years old, 10 years old, that's when those team starter jackets got so hot. And all of a sudden, in Havertown, Pennsylvania, every kid is wearing the Charlotte Hornets because the colors were cool at the time, right? Teal and purple and whatever. Uh, my own son, Alex Macnow, who was not and remains not a basketball fan, wanted a Toronto Raptors jacket because he loved the color and he loved the logo. And so he's a, he was a quasi-Toronto Raptors fan for about 15 minutes. But I think that kind of began the – or was part of. I don't want to say began. You're right. Internet's probably a bigger deal. But I think the starter jackets was part of the whole thing of like, hey, you don't have to wear your local team's colors. And by the way, the Sixers were lousy when they were kids. It was kind of pre-Iverson, post-Barkley. And so the, the, the Sixers' red, white, and blue was not considered cool to wear. And they were wearing every other team in the NBA. And those starters, you could walk into a store and see 20 different NBA teams and get the jackets. And I think that was part of it. That, that being part of it, and the other thing is a word I learned from Glenn Macnow back in the 90s. There are some people, and usually a little older than Alex Macnow's age, but uh, uh, people just the same, who are just contrarians, who don't want to follow the lead. You yeah. don't want to be a fan of the hometown team because, oh, shoot, everybody's a fan of the hometown team. I want to be yeah. different. Yeah. So let, let me uh, glom onto some other team. I think that also factors in, and I'm guessing that starter jacket was a little expensive. How, how, how much did you shell out for that jacket for Alex? He wore for about six months? I, I don't know, 75 bucks maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, a long time uh, ago, Jody. That credit card's I, long that, gone. That but, bill's long been paid. But, yeah, uh, but if uh, I remember was, correctly, I thought, like, Wow, I, probably I, I, overpriced. Just for the colors, I got to pay seventy-five bucks because I think it's got a cool logo on it. There was no way I was. I'm too cheap for that. That would yeah, never happen to me. They, they were probably overpriced. Let's go to Anthony in Philadelphia. Hello, Anthony. What's on your mind? Hey guys, how are you today? Good. Good, Tom. Uh, me and my son are, are driving in to go see the Globetrotters at twelve o'clock. Nice. Oh, how about that? That's gr- how old's your son? He's five. He's in the back seat. He's oh, very cool. He must be on the radio right now. He's a diehard Eagles fan. 
Very I good. I went to see the Globetrotters. I was a little older than five. I was probably nine or ten and saw them live, and it was like the greatest show I had ever seen. I still remember it. I, I hope I hope he gets that thrill. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Listen, I'm calling for, about the Eagles. This, the reason this loss is really, really killing me, besides we blew it, is I feel like the best team we were ever going to have. You won't be. We're going to have Jimmy Kemsky at noon to talk about the Eagles in the draft. Um, I would say that the the what I anticipate them doing with the first pick is going one of two positions, um, either pass rusher or defensive back, because I think those are two spots that they're going to need help. Jonathan, don't ever don't don't ever discount Harry Roseman going offensive line. If Isaac Samuel is going to walk, yeah, they could probably move. Jurgens over to right tackle and it'll be fine, but then the year after that, if Kelsey comes back and it's only one more year, well, now you got to get another offensive lineman into the mix. Don't ever discount Howie going offensive line. He loves to build the trenches. Yeah, yeah I agree and you with know both. what? Let me just say one thing, Jody. Years uh-huh. ago, if the Eagles drafted an offensive line that high, the fan base would have gone nuts. I think now, because of the respect for Stoutland and how much this offensive line has meant, People would say, sure, I'm good mm-hmm. with that. Yep. I know how it usually would trade down, but with the teams uh, in the top ten, do you think there's any chance they move up for a Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, maybe even Miles Murphy? I think it's more likely that they move down than up. Agreed. Uh, and I think they've got the, the number 10 pick and the number 30 pick. I would bet $2 to a dollar, Jody, that they don't pick at 10 and 30. Oh, as, as would I. Uh, and, but I think the 30th pick is the more likely pick that they yeah. move. And here's, uh, again, this is way too early conversation. We're two months away from the draft. whole bunch of things have to happen in free agency before we get a grasp on what the Eagles could or should do come late April. But the one thing the Eagles have going for them as far as potentially trading their first-round picks, it's still a quarterback league. And the Eagles don't need any part of any quarterback. We can have a long conversation about who their backup next year is going to be, but we know their starter is going to be in there tremendously suited for that. But teams need QBs in the league, and teams will overdraft QBs and overpay for QBs. And if someone loves a Will Levis or a Richardson from Florida and feel they won't get them at their pick and they want to move up and how he can drop back four or five spots, do it. Take advantage of it. Uh, I don't like either of those other two quarterbacks after the first two, so it'll look good. It'll be a Howie wins the trade again thing two or three years from now. Um, And then at number 30, the key to getting that first-round pick is the five-year contract. You can only get a five-year deal if you're a first-round pick. So they have the next-to-last pick, which adds a little value to that deal. Again, if a team wants to move up, there's one of those quarterbacks left, they want to be able to get the five-year contract, maybe they'll overpay for the 30th pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Good point. Rich in West Hazelden wants to talk a little Phillies. We're going to get into Phillies in the next segment, but go for it. Jump it. Yeah. Hi, hey, hi guys. Hey. Yeah, I think that the, the team looks like they're more stacked this year. I think the only thing they need is, like, backup outfielders, but a guy like Jake Cave – now, he seems like he can uh, give them something which they they really need in the backup uh, plan. 
and maybe Sosa can play center field. Yeah, the they're going to work Sosa. They're going to work Sosa in in the in the outfield. Um, well, let's do. What weaknesses do they have right now, Jody Mack? And he touched well, on a good one. And yeah. here's what bothers me: uh, there is no real backup center fielder on this team. No, Sosa's going to go out there and learn how to become a center fielder in two weeks. No, good luck with that. Jake no, Cave just... is a nice bat, but he's not a center fielder. I don't think Guthrie is a center fielder either. I've had both uh, Tom McCarthy and um, Ben Davis on my shows over the last couple of weeks, and I asked them both the same thing. Who's the backup center fielder? God forbid Marsh, who played well yesterday, uh, goes down with a broken leg the first week of the season. Who the hell's taking over center uh, field? You're, you're making a deal is what you're doing. Uh, you're, you're, you're wondering what happened to Veerling. But it does take two to tango. You yeah. can you can state, oh, now i got to go get myself a no, backup right. center fielder. Yeah, of course. Well, everybody in the world knows that, and they're going to make you overpay if you're Dave Dombrowski. It's a good thing. It's a good news, bad news situation. Good news is the biggest thing that sticks out is your backup center fielder. That means everything else is pretty damn good. But the bad news is, yeah, you really need one, and they don't have one. Yeah, and and overall, I mean, it's not it's not a specific thing, but their their overall outfield defense, other than Marsh, is is really spotty. Right, that's he's going to have to he's going to have to cover line to line this guy. Correct, and that's why you have to have a. That's why you want to throw Sosa out there and let him learn on the fly, surrounded by Castellano and Schwarber. Oof, that could be a bad outfield <laughs> defense. So does does Marsh play every single game? Marsh doesn't get a day off if he's hitting left-handers. I got no problems putting him out there 150 some odd times. If he yeah. stays healthy and he's hitting 225 against left-handers instead of 175, yeah, I'd think about playing him every day. Let me let me throw a name at you. I don't remember if he ever played any center field. I know he played outfield. Is it possible that Scott Kingry can come off the scrap heap? I, I know he played in the game over in Lakeland yesterday. Is it possible? Yes. And I would suggest right now, of all those names we just threw out, uh, he is uh, the, the, the one most suited to play center field. Now, he's not going to make anybody forget Gary Maddox either, but he would be the best. He would be the best of those in a Phillies uniform right now that I would suggest you yeah, play center field. But uh, throw one other name at yeah, you because McCarthy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but in that in that 2019 season, which was his best season, not great, but he hit 19 homers, 258, that's 788 OPS. Nothing wrong with that. He played center field more. He played every position, but center field more than the others. Don't remember if he played it well. Probably not. All right, um, not great, but not terrible either. Um, young kid Rojas, who is one of their top prospects who is a tremendous athletic kid whose bat is coming along, and he reached double-A last year, but is absolutely a defensive center fielder today if they brought him up to the big leagues. Not impossible he could make the team. I think they'd prefer not to because they'd like to give him another uh, year, at least a half a year of seasoning with the bat down at triple-A, but he is uh, of the guys who are in uniform right now and had no experience, he's easily their best defensive option in center field. Yeah. it's The thing is, these days, the benches are so short, right? You carry 13 position players, 13 pitchers. You need a backup catcher. you got a utility man there. Uh, they have a lot of guys who are more or less DH types, right? Yep. Um, you know, including Derek Hall, who we haven't even mentioned, and he'll be on the roster. 
that to devote one of those five bench spots to somebody just because he's a good defensive center fielder is tough. Is, but I, I think there's an importance to that position that you should not just shirk. Again, Brandon Marsh got to stay healthy, play every day. Every day. Uh, we'll be talking to our friend Larry Anderson at 11 and get his take on this. We certainly invite your calls. I, we just kind of off the top came up with this, like people not rooting for the home team issue. Uh, Jody and I each gave you our theories on it, kind of playing off of last night's Sixers game when Devontae Smith was hugging Celtics on the floor and getting Celtics jerseys. If you have an opinion on how that began or why that is, we would certainly, or even if you disagree that it's an issue, uh, give us a call. We're definitely going to get into the baseball rules. That was a big issue of the day yesterday. And we would love to hear from you. 215-592-9494. I'm Glenn Mack now with Jody McDonald on 94 WIP. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack, Mack and Mack. Uh, with you until 1 o'clock, Larry Anderson coming up at the top of the hour. Let's talk to Rich in Schwedesboro. Hello, Rich. Hey, guys. What a pleasure speaking with you guys. It, it makes me feel 35 years younger. <laughs> it's so long I've been following you guys. Anyway, you know, as a, an old baseball fan, I'm 67. You know, some of the rules, I got to tell you, I really enjoy. Uh, I like the idea of the uh, – I do like the idea of the pitch count and the clock, I should say. I like the clock on the batters, but I don't like them telling the pitcher he can only throw back to first base twice. I think that's, you know, an anticipation play. I think it's it adds drama to a game and, and to a uh, an attack. Oh man, my I opinion. I, I I'll disagree with you, my friend. I I I think that nothing is more boring than a game of catch between the pitcher and the first baseman. When they got a, a speech to first base and it's an important play. You know, I think it adds excitement. I mean, speed, listen, the stadiums are amazing. I just drove by the Philly Stadium. It's all that new uh, center field scoreboard. It's going to be amazing. But, uh, again, I don't mind spending two and a half hours up to three at a game. I mean, I go back to Carlton. He could get a game done in two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, the game would be that quick. But with all the amenities staying at the stadium, is it such a bad thing? Yeah, three hours and seven minutes. That was the average time last year. Um, whether you're at the stadium or really, I think their their concern is uh, falling TV ratings. Really? Uh, well, that's that's the concern. And, and another thing, C.B. Buckner, why does a major league get a grip <laughs> with some of these umpires? Did you see the article about him yesterday? Oh, what yeah. A I, I did not. No. What? Oh, Tell I can tell you. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals' second-year man- manager, Carlos Marmol, got bounced from a game last year in August. He got into an argument with C.B. Buckner behind the plate, and C.B. threw him out of the game. Um, so yesterday was the first time that Buckner was umping a Cardinal game since. It was late August, and he just didn't have any Cardinal games at the end of the season. So before the game, Marmol comes out, and he extends his hand to the umpire just to shake his hand. Buckner refuses. Oh. Would not shake his hand. So Marmol then shakes the hand of all three other umpires, and they all shake with him. Mm-hmm. And Buckner just stands there and, and like, refused to even acknowledge Marmol's existence. So after the game, Marmol came out and said, I, I just don't think the guy's any good at his job. And he showed the complete lack of class as a man that he has by refusing to shake my hand before the game. 
So first spring training game of the year, forget the pitch clock, forget the no shift. We got smack talk going down between a Major League Baseball manager and a longstanding, and I agree with his estimation, terrible umpire in C.B. Buckner. There are some really terrible umpires in Major League Baseball. He's one. The other one that always come, uh, comes up in conversation is Angel Hernandez, right? Yeah. Terrible strikes. Has, oh, yeah. Terrible and inconsistent, which is really all you're looking for. Um, years and years ago, you remember, Jody, baseball fired a bunch of umpires, uh, including a friend of ours who I didn't think deserved to be fired, but they kind of pushed Eric Gregg out. I don't know why these guys who are bad at their jobs just continue to be able to do it year after year after year. And I know there's union issues and so on, but they've succeeded in the past. And when somebody is that bad, and as, as, you, as that story illustrates, when somebody takes things personally like that, then that person should not be doing that job. I, I do not know how, but I've been told this by people within the industry the umpires union is as good as the base, major league baseball players union and they have been winning in uh cbas and any negotiations for the last 40 50 years going back to uh, donald fear uh but the umpires union is also another very strong union and they've been beating baseball in any negotiation they've had so yeah these guys they're like college professors you get tenure you can't be touched yeah I mean, you know, it's a different circumstance, of course, but when a player isn't good at his job, he loses his job, not because of the union, but because it's, it is a perfor- performance-based job. Umpiring, once you get there, is not, and your, your thing about tenure is actually pretty apropos. Let's talk to Ron in Maryland. Ron, what do you think of the pitch count on the first day? You know what? I, I, uh, real quick, I don't want to throw you a curve, but real quick, a uh, starter jacket. Years ago, when I was attending the Final Four, when UNLV was upset by Duke, I had a Miami starter jacket. That's where I went to college. I'm sitting next to a guidance counselor from Compton who says to me, love your coat. My students would kill you for that. And the story was that. <laughs> no. No. Well, <laughs> but anyway, like you said, you don't, it doesn't have to be associated with who you follow. But uh, I'm from Philly, but I live in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm only 20 miles from Bowie, Bowie where the um, Orioles double-A team plays. I watched Machado grow there. I watched Harper come in with uh, Harrisburg. I watched Nola. You, you get the nice. point. And, yeah, um, it's but, great. So uh, for a couple of years, they've been using that pitch clock. One thing I noticed, you know, I'm looking at the scoreboard, 20, 19. It goes down. And when it would get to 10, it was off the board. Now it's at the discretion of the umpire. A lot of the pitchers. I'm, I'm looking, look, I have no life, right? I'm looking on my cell phone. I'm, I'm clocking it. Would, would get it within the time frame. Some took up to 28 sec, uh, seconds. 28? Think, 28. Uh, um, well, what happened, it was 20. But when it got down to 10, it was no longer on. So you had to figure it out in your head. They, yeah, well, they took eight, it 18 off seconds is a lot longer than 10. So exactly. The so I'm yeah. wondering, not that that'll happen in, in, in major leagues, but with these umpires getting graded and, you know, for performance, do you think after a while, I mean, are, are they going to scrutinize this closely? Because I saw many a pitcher at the double-A level get more than 20 seconds. And like yeah. I said, it, it was a disappearing act. You know what I think it'll be at first, and you guys I'm sure can relate to this. You know how when the NFL decides it wants to emphasize some new rule or some penalty? Uh, it's like they, they, they call it off. every – right, all the time. I think that they will – adhere really, really tightly to it initially 
And I don't know how long that is, whether it's all of 23 or the first half gotcha. of the season or whatever. But I think, at least for now, it's a point of emphasis. Jody? Okay. That's exactly what the NFL does. You and I are geeky enough to actually watch preseason NFL games. And, yes, you go, they're calling the flag again on that? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to hammer it home so that it becomes part of the consciousness of all the players. And then they very slowly back off it as the season starts. It will be really interesting to see if baseball does it the same. You, you can't get any more definitive than a game ending with a batter being called for delaying getting into the box, and it ends up as a 6-6 tie, which our friend Jason Stark had a great line yesterday. Mac, don't know if you saw it on The Athletic. It was a clock off. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than a walk off, it was a clock off. That's great. That is a great catchphrase. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how baseball handles it going forward. But yeah, oh, they're they're attempting to make a point of emphasis out of it here in spring training. Hey, Ron, real quick, because we got to hit a break here. Yes, who's the who's the best minor leaguer you ever saw? Best prospect you ever saw that you thought was going to be great that wasn't? That wasn't. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. In fact. I was bragging because Joe Charbonneau, because oh. I was bragging because look at his rookie year. And I said, that one year. Yeah. everybody was coming up to me for baseball, baseball knowledge. And then <laughs> he laughed at the hey, he was, he was rookie of the year. You weren't wrong. He just, uh, it was one and kind of faded after that. All right. Larry Anderson is coming up next. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, join me now and bet pro and college hoops. The tournament, uh, we're two weeks away from selection Sunday. Golf, hockey, MMA, more. Whatever sport you want to bet, the Bet Park Sportsbook and Casino app has you covered. Gets odds, bets, slots, and games, and it's all right there in the palm of your hand. Safe, secure, and very easy to use. The official sportsbook of the real sports fan. Only sportsbook casino app that I recommend on air for the last four-plus years. Bet on more than just the score. Bet player and game props player performances you got live in-game betting if you're already down on a game you want to add to it you can do that right in the middle of the game bet on how many points assists rebounds a player's going to get so many options so much uh, for you to join in on if you join right now and you've never played with parks before how does a 750 dollars in sportsbook bonus back uh sound if your first bet isn't a winner download the app and start playing instantly with me on the bet park sportsbook and casino app all right, so what that was yesterday, the Braves and the Red Sox are playing a game, and uh, their bases loaded for the Braves in the bottom of the ninth. They're not going to play extra innings. Uh, batter named Cal Conley thinks he wins the game with a bases loaded walk, walk off walk. He starts going to first base, bat in hand, and the umpire, John Libka, don't know him, maybe one of Larry Anderson's favorites, Jumps from behind the plate and calls strike three. Game over. Batter can't believe it. Teammates can't believe it. You hear the fans booing. This is baseball in 2023. It is our honor to talk to the great color man for the Philadelphia Phillies on radio, along with Scott Fransky, Larry Anderson. And um, Larry, um, uh, first, uh, just... Uh, the game that you called yesterday, and I had the pleasure of listening to you guys a lot as I was driving around, it was a brisk, quick game, and I got a sense that you're okay with this pitch clock. It's, it's, um, uh, it's different. It, it's, uh, <laughs> the one thing I, I did mention to Scott, we were having a meeting the other day, and I, slid a, I wrote down something on a piece of paper, and I slid it over to him. I said, this pitch clock is going to give me much less time to complain. 
(laughs) (laughs) Which is probably good for my job security. (laughs) But um, I I just – is it really Major League Baseball when you get a clock off? Well, that was a weird thing, and and Jody and I were talking about this earlier. My hunch is that we're going to see this now until everybody kind of figures out how to play within the rules. That's why they wanted to do it at the start of um, the of uh, the, the Grapefruit League, but right. that hopefully by opening day, everybody will have it figured out. I'm starting to think, though, Glenn, it's that it that it's right now everybody's aware of it everybody's paying attention to it because it's at the forefront of everybody's mind but once guys get a little more comfortable with it more relaxed are they gonna are they gonna forget about the clock or or not be as aware of it you know when they start thinking about other things or if they're struggling thinking about their hitting or the mechanics or you know the pitch or whatever is that is that gonna are they gonna be oh wait a minute look there's a violation i and I do it, it. You know, there was what was the game over in Lakeland was two fifteen yep. or something like that. I mean, it's definitely speeding up the game. Um, but guys don't they don't even have a chance to think, which for some pitchers is probably good because I know, <laughs> you know, delay used to say think long, think wrong, or maybe I was Jim Cotton. I used to say I think long, think wrong, um, which is a good point. Um, but it's boy, it, it it moves things so quick. Francisco Morales, I saw the last play because it was when they were making all the changes, you know, when they're bringing in all the substitutions all at the same time. And I'm, I got done writing in the new guys at their position just about the time the third out was being caught. <laughs> so, so I missed a good portion of the game, which is when I just decided, you know, let's just rip this up and throw it away. I'm not taking it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And your boy, Scotty's going to cover you anyway, so you know you're okay there. Uh, what, what I wanted to notice, Larry, was, and you got the pitcher, pitcher's mentality, so you're going to see how it affects the pitcher and relate to when you pitched, even though it was more right. than 10 minutes ago. But it also affected the batters yesterday. You, you mentioned the clock off. That wasn't a pitcher violation. That was a batter violation. Yeah. So it plays both. Yeah, it does. It I, plays both I, ways. I think I think what's I think we're going to see more hitters having problems with it, um, and and not to not to pick on him because he, he's not here, and but I'd be real curious to see like Harper would always generally wait till his walk up music was done, and then he would get to the plate, and then he, you know hitters have routines, pitchers have routines, you know he goes up there, does his thing with his feet, makes mark in the in the dirt, and then taps his bat and his foot, and like what's a minute. You're about 12 seconds late right there. So I, I, I think, and, and you've talked about it and talking to Sam Fold and some and Dombrowski through some minor league games last year, and they felt like the hitters were going to have more of a problem looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left, you know, having her in the box and looking out at the pitcher. They don't have to be set ready to hit, but they have to be looking at the pitcher with eight seconds. And there's just, like Josh Harrison was saying, he's like, man, I, I got up there. It's like you get forced to rush a little bit. I think that that's what's happening early. Like hitters are like, "Oh man, I got to get in the box and swing." It's you know, I, I can't be late. Um, and I think it's just going to take. There's an, obviously an adjustment period for everybody, but the guys who haven't played under these rules, you know, the minor league guys coming up, it's second nature to them now already. But the guys that have been here and haven't been in the minor leagues to experience it before, it, it's going to be an adjustment for a while. I think. 
Um, the, the other rule that is going to draw a lot of attention, and I ask you this as a guy who pitched, I believe, 17 years in the major leagues. I got right. that right? Okay. Is the how many times you can throw to first. And I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I remember you as a pitcher. I don't remember you as a guy who was always nervous about holding everybody on base. Um, uh, as a former pitcher, how do you feel about that rule change? It's, uh, I mean, I had a high leg kick. I just, for me, I, honestly, I, I paid more attention, like with the runner on first, if I had nobody out. If I had one out, I felt like I'm, I'm good enough to get two outs before I give up a hit. Um, and with the man on second, I, I was more concerned with less than two outs, mostly with one out and, and uh, you know, that runner trying to get to third. I pay more attention then, but um, it, it's, I, I, I don't know why we have to change the rules to, to play like, uh, I don't know, like, like the new, the new realm of GMs or uh, people that run the, the baseball ops. It, mm-hmm. they, they, it's like, we're, we've got to play this game the way they want us to play it. We can't, the players no longer dictate how the game's played. It's it's the people that never played the game that want to see it played a certain way, which makes no sense at all to me. Um, and I'll kind of leave it at that there. Okay. I, I love I love the, the unspoken uh, from Larry Anderson, which I think often we can infer what you're talking about. Yeah. Let, let me go uh, here with you, Larry, because we're so inundated with these rule changes in the first couple right. of days of spring training. But down the road three months into the season, another change in baseball is not a rule change, but the balanced schedule, there's something to be said for it because it seems to be the most fair way to determine who makes the playoffs, but there are going to be less rivalry games. And this year could be great between the Mets and the Braves and the Phillies. If you have that many games between those teams, they play less times, which means the Phillies should subjectively have a better record. But is it a good thing or a bad thing that rivalries are being diminished this year? I I, I love the rivalries, you know. So do I. It, it, that, that's part of it. That's that's part of the game. And when you you take that away, it's I mean, again, it's like we're gonna we're gonna dictate uh, or somebody else is gonna dictate how things work instead of you know things that I, I thought that worked good for quite a while. Um, I don't know. I, I just. I, 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 the fans get to see all the team. Uh oh, did we lose Larry? Did we lose LA? Okay, yeah, we lost LA. All right, okay, too bad. Uh, we'll get him back. We'll get him right back. Um, I agree with you on this on this last point, Jody. I it's like every sport. I want to see the teams that are in my division. I want to see them as much as I can. I understand they want to get you know Trout and Otani on the road and try to expose the stars throughout but i want to see the stick of mess i want to i want the phillies to play the braves it probably helps philly competitively as you may have noted earlier but those are the those uh, for every otani i still got to see the kansas city royals right correct and And white Sox and whatever the tigers you don't need much of a crossover in the last 24 hours here in philadelphia sports i know it's a different sport but Sixers Celtics, because it was Sixers Celtics that added to the drama and the gut punch aspect of it, the way that it ended, if it were Sixers um, Clips or Sixers Jazz, would it have had the same feeling as Sixers Celtics? I don't think so. Yeah. All right, let's get Larry back. And, uh, Larry, let's, let's actually talk some baseball. 
Okay. Uh, everybody is just a buzz about the 19-year-old kid Andrew Painter and the possibility that he could become the first teenager in in decades to play in the major leagues. Certainly, play for the Phillies. I'm sure you've had a chance to see him throw, even if it's just on the sidelines. Is it possible that this this kid who can't legally buy a drink might make the team? I, I think it's more than possible. <laughs> After watching this kid and looking at the reactions of the hitters coming coming out of the box off of him and the things they're saying, I mean, you, you can just watch him and see that stuff is electric. But what's I mean, and he can command the ball down in the zone, both sides of the plate, and then elevate. He doesn't, you know, he throws hard, but he's got. You know, now they're working on a cutter. I was talking to Caleb Cotton, the pitching coach, the other day. They're working on a cutter for him. So if he gets that cutter, because his slider, they were saying before, was kind of slow, like Mm -hmm. getting him to throw it harder. And Caleb was saying, you know, we think we can get him to throw, you know, 90-91 with the cutter, slider, cutter, whatever, kind of of the same thing, really. Um, I think a cutter is more of a true slider. And, And he's already gotten a feel for that. I mean, he's just got... He's he's poised and mature beyond his years, and I think that's what makes it more of a possibility of him, you know, to me more than a possibility of him being in a rotation. I really think he can he can lock it up and be better than just a fifth starter. That's there's no question. But you know, he's going to have some slumps. He's going to have some struggles, but he's also going to do some dealing. And and it's just you look at his stuff, his command, his poise. He's he, he can handle it. I really wow. think he can. All right. If you've seen him, you've got a better right to judge this than Glenn or myself or any other Phillies fan here in town who hasn't been down there in spring training and watching him throw. It's a two-point question, and if it's the same answer for both, so be it. How do the Phillies handle him? Because, again, baseball is being decided by different things than it was 25, 30 years ago when Larry Anderson was still out there pitching in Major League Baseball. And how would Larry Anderson handle it? You want to get the most out of this kid in 2023, but you're also hoping for the next decade plus of him being an ace in Philadelphia. How would you use him over the course of the next seven months? I, I would I would use him and, and throw him out. I mean, the one thing we're doing now, I think, around baseball, not just the Phillies, but all around baseball, is the young kids, they're using all this data, and they're, they're basically, they're so afraid oh, my goodness, if he throws over 100 innings, we can't. Then what's going to happen next year and the year after that? I'm like, oh, my word. I mean, you have so many bullets in your arm, and we can't control that. You know, I mean, to an extent you can. You can't throw a guy out there 250 innings when he only threw, you know, 80 innings last year. But um, I think at some point you you have to take the gloves off a little bit. Um, But, you know, they have so much data now. Um, Everything is – analytics or data, whatever you want to call it, not mm-hmm. just from pitching, but, but your muscles, uh, recovery, and all this stuff, that, stuff that I don't even, never paid attention to, That's they're so into that right now, and data tells them this, and data tells them that. Um, they're they're going to be very careful with them. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I think that, you know, look, at, what was it, uh, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, it was Strasburg when they were going into the playoffs and saying, well, we're, we're going to oh, limit yeah. him. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, did, did, take did, a did, chance, man. They had the opportunity help? to win that. That was, that one was nuts. And one more thing I want to cover with you. And we know you're doing the game today. Uh, yeah. We'll maybe each of us take one more question, let you go on your way. 
I, I want to talk about Trey Turner a little bit and what he may <laughs> add. Um, I, I mean, this guy last year, or this guy over the his first five years, hitting over 300, 486 slugging percentage. Phillies, it seems to me the Phillies haven't had a player like him since, and I know when I say this name, I am tempting the gods, since Chase Utley. Um, what You've watched him over the years. You've seen him the first couple days uh, down there. What is Trey Turner going to add to this team? A whole lot. A, a whole lot. I mean, to, to me, one of the things, and just go back to the World Series, we, it was a strikeout. Or, or, or we crushed the ball. There was no, we didn't have the contact. We didn't have, we, like, where's the 300 hitter? Where's the guy that, you know, you can go up there, he's going to put the bat on the ball, situation like that. I mean, he's just, he's the all-around one of the best players in the game. All around. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and I think he, he, I think he, he brings a, a I'm not, I don't not intensity, but he. I, I think he, he gives makes gives confidence to everybody else on this ball club and in the organization of what this team can do. Uh, um, when you just think about it, you know the, the fact that the Phillies came up two games short last year in the World Series. Now you're going to add one of the best players in the game. Um, he, he just, I think he, he just elevates the confidence of what this team believes it can do. I, I think right from the get go when we first signed him, I think. If you ask every player, right, when they sign him, what do you think? They're like, I think they'd be like, we're going back to World Series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I think he brings that much to it. And, and uh, just he plays the game the right way as well. And that's, I just, guys like that, I just love to watch. I love to watch him play and see, and what they bring, the energy, the everything. They're, they're just a total package. No, I, Larry, my last one, I'm kind of going to go full circle to data. And uh, rule changes. Add both in one question. And that's about the shift. This is not a Trey Turner question because they don't shift on Turner because he does use the full field when he swings. But there are a whole bunch of guys in baseball that they shift against. And I think that's added to the whole mindset of, well, you did a home run, you strike out, and it's perfectly fine. But if they're not shifting against you anymore because they can't, will we actually see some guys – change their plan of attack at the plate that they'll try and go with a pitch they'll try and go gap to gap rather than just either over the fence or strikeout do you think we'll see a change and i know it won't be across the board with all players but in some players that their approach at the plate will change because teams can't shift against them anymore i i don't know Jody, i don't know if they'll make changes i, I mean when when guys put the shift on um, there's a, there are a handful of guys like a Freddie Freeman. They're like, okay, you want to shift on me? I'll go the other way. You know, uh, um, again, this, this is a, a point to me of, okay, we're going to have people that never played the game dictate how the game's supposed to be played. Um, instead of letting the players dictate, you know, if the players are fine with hitting in the shifts and not going the other way, then so be it. If that's, they want to keep making outs and keep making outs. But I, I think one thing until, players are rewarded for doing the little things instead of just hitting home runs. And, and that seems to be what it is. Like you're only rewarded on all the home runs you hit or your, your war or your on base. Like what about getting a man in driving runs in um, the RBI? Like that's a, a non-existent stat or they're, they're trying to make it non-existent. Um, and I just, I don't understand that. I don't, I, I just think you have to let the play. I mean, the rules changes are, because players aren't making adjustments. And so the higher-ups decide, well, 
if they're not going to make adjustments, we're going to do it for them because this is the way the game should be played. And I'm like, why are you dictating that? The, and the, the base is being bigger. How many injuries are at first base? Very, very few. I mean, hardly any. Yeah. But yet they're going to say they're making the bases bigger in the name of safety when it really is they just want to try and make the game. They want to get more running in the game. And they're dictating that. Yeah. Not the players. So, I mean, until until they see that maybe it's not helping the game, it's not making a big benefit, maybe they'll change it back. But I, I don't know. That's, that's a, right. a Florida on hope. We love you. I actually, I'm, I'm rooting for more stealing because Jody and I made a bet. I said that stealing will increase 10% or more this year. So I think it will. There you go. I mean, I, no. Just, just on on the Phillies, yes. Across yeah. Major League Baseball, it's not, Larry. But uh, uh, we'll see. We shall see. We got dinner right now. L.A., it, it is always a pleasure. We look forward to listening. As soon as we go off the air, you're doing the game today here, right? Yep. 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 Beautiful. And uh, I can I can kind of say this, that um, you and Scott Fransky and my beer company, Conchalk and Brewing Company, have a partnership coming up for charity in the spring. Right. And I could not be more delighted People should be on the lookout for Fransky and L.A. Beer. More, more to come on that, but I, I appreciate you guys getting involved. I think we're going to raise money for some for a great cause. I think it's outstanding. I'm, I'm excited about it. And although there is one person here, I won't mention Chris Ware's name, but he said, <laughs> well, who's, who's, who's going to have the, the portion of the bitter part of beers? You know, oh, the, the wait, bitters. I think, think we know <laughs> and that. Looked at me. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little hoppy. The good news good. for you is you get all the free beer you want out of this thing. So I love it. All right, man. Have a great one. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. Take care. Uh, thanks, L.A. There you go. The great L.A. Uh, let's sneak in a call here, Jody, and then we'll go over what he had to say. But Tony from King of Prussia has been hanging out. What are you thinking, Tony? Hey, that was a great interview. Just great hearing you guys and Larry. I mean, cool. just, thank just, you. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't went back with you guys. So me and my friends, so many fans of you guys, but. Um, I guess I should say my friend asked me uh, to do me a favor, Jody. Yes. Uh, uh, and then you're supposed to go, if I can. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah, well, okay. Um, I want to bring back real baseball, but also implement the 2023 rules. Um, like, okay, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember the 1993 20-inning Dodgers game, and I remember when Wilson Valdez pitched in the 19th and took down Votto at one something in the morning, those moments in my life, I'll never have again. Um, that's all gone and flushed away. And my thing is the pitch clock. Fine. You want to do that? I'm all for it. Um, and, and I'm a baseball purist, but at the same point, we can't have guys fixing their gloves for two minutes. And so, so hold on. You, you want, you want baseball, but you want the new rules. So what is, what are you defining as baseball? I'm defining baseball as the second you put a ghost runner on second, uh, That's not baseball anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah, we're, we're all in agreement on yeah, that. I one. think I think you're not going to get a disagreement with us on that one. Right. So the, all I'm saying is is that we 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 let them play. Now that we have now that we're shaving off a half hour, can I want some? Okay, here's what I'm saying, guys. And I, I here's what I'll bring to the conversation. I want an eight year old that is just getting into baseball to sit up one day and watch a Sunday game from say one o'clock to to eight o'clock. And get a memory of a nineteen inning game, or an eighteen, or seventeen, or whatever. Well, and you know that that you're not going to have. Um, yeah, I, Jody, I'm glad we didn't even broach the the ghost runner with Larry. I think that his head might have exploded on mm-hmm. that. So yeah, you don't like it. I don't like it. No, 
Okay. And there's only one thing I disagree with, Larry. You, we're, we're on the same page on a lot of different things. I get his frustration with those who are making significant decisions that change the game and long-standing ways of things being played. It needed some change. Yeah, uh, I agree. It just don't change it because this is my game and we've been playing it th- this way forever. And uh, how dare you even think about changing things? Well, the game's not perfect. And you can attempt to change it. Now, here's the one thing I hope Major League Baseball is. I hope they're real open-minded. Because you can make changes and you can go, uh-oh, that was a bad idea. And then you go back to where you were. I believe that will be the case, or at least I hope that will be the case. But I'm not as – you can't change it because you just can't is not a way that the people that are running baseball should be looking at it right now. The game really needed a revision. The game uh, – listen, you and I both grew up on it, loved it, and so on. Uh, the games are just are too long. That's that's all there is. And there's not enough action. And analytics, which I can give my whole – screen on how analytics have really hurt the game, uh, a big part of that being the shift. I want more singles. I want more stolen bases. I want more double plays. I want more parts of the game fielding plays that you don't get to see in a game that's strikeout, 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 home run, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. That, it, and by the way, that's three and a half hours. So, yeah, we need that. And L.A. Did, did this kind of dismissed my thought process, and I, I don't know that it should be. I think we're going to see. Now, it's just some players, those that get shifted against all the time. Uh, that's only a percentage of all the guys who come up to the plate with a bat in their hands. But I think there will be some guys that say, all right, now I don't have to worry about launch angle. I don't got to try and run the ball out of the ballpark every yeah. single swing. Now that I'm going against a fair defense, maybe I can hit a sharp line drive into the gap and end up on second base. I think you will see some players change the way that they take at bats if the shift is not in play this year, and I think it can make it better. Absolutely agree. And, you know, Jody, somewhere right now, Ryan Howard is sitting in his kitchen drinking a cup of coffee going, now they do this. (laughs) (laughs) 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow. Take your calls coming up. Jimmy Kemsky from uh, phillyvoice.com talks Eagles at noon. Right here on 94 WIP. Along with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP, 215-592-9494. A lot of Eagles talking at 12 o'clock hour. Jody, we've talked a lot about the Sixers today and the Phillies and baseball. And um, we don't spend a lot of time on the Flyers because, quite frankly, they don't deserve a lot of time. They lose 7 to nothing yesterday, uh, making that uh, 12 goals against in the last two days, two goals scored. They are 2-7-1 and one in February with one game left before the trade deadline uh, this coming Friday. I rant and rave about them a lot. Uh, I'm just kind of tossing this to you. I'm, I'm putting a, a orange Flyers ball on the tee and, and handing you a driver. Couple Take of it things. where you want. Number one. Yeah, last week uh, you and I brought up the Flyers on Sundays. We try and get all four teams in. And I don't know about you, but there were a couple guys on social media. I think he added both you and I on Twitter. Eh, these guys know nothing about Flyers. Why are they even bringing up Flyers? They have no idea what's going on. Well, at least we're trying, right? Uh, the, the the other shows here on the radio station don't even attempt to bring the Flyers into the conversation. So sorry if we're at least touching on the Flyers because we uh, try and be a four-for-four four show. 
but they're just bad, and there there isn't good things to say about them. And this, for me, is a little bit of a key week because everybody wants to know, why do they stink? Why are they so bad? Why have we waited so long for another championship? Blah, blah, blah. This is a Chuck Fletcher week. Hmm. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be able to turn the organization over in one fell swoop at the trade deadline, but give me a win, Chuck. Get a deal done that gets them some future assets, that gets them a younger player, that gets you some cap relief. There's a lot of ways you can benefit the team this week. And the whole defense of, well, they're just nobody to trade, doesn't wash with me. This is why you're the general manager of the Flyers. The other 30, 29, uh, 30 general managers are attempting to do the same thing with different uh, ways they want to take their organization. But this is a week for Chuck, Chuck Fletcher to do something. Uh, get a win. Have a trade that we can look at and go, all right, here's where the direction of the Flyers are going. Here's where this can pay dividends, if not tomorrow uh, or next year, two years from now, three years from now. I want to see a win out of the Flyers general manager this week. Make a deal that helps this team over the course of however many years you need to play it out. But don't just sit on your hands. Don't, And I don't want to hear excuses afterwards. Well, there's just nothing out there to do. No one uh, wanted to make a deal for the future. That, that's why they pay you, Chuck, is to get something done this week. Interestingly, James Van Riemsdyk did not dress yesterday. Uh, they said, uh, uh, Tortorella said, a little banged up, a little banged up. I don't know if he is or he isn't. I think that's a little bit of uh, asset management. You weren't bu- buying maintenance day that uh, – <laughs> Uh, workload was a little much on JVR. in the NHL. No. Yeah, they don't do it near as much as the NBA. Um, no, they're probably protecting them. And guess what? I got no problems with that. No, I know they no, got embarrassed I, I think, by the Devils seven nothing. So what? I think he is the most likely guy to get traded now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie O'Connor, who covers it for the Athletic, predicted that they will get for him a third round pick, which. Ain't exactly a lot, and what he wrote was, I'm going to wager that his $7 million cap hit will keep the Flyers from bringing back a second-round pick, which his production would warrant, but they'll be able to nab a third from somebody looking for a secondary scoring boost. Not quite a dramatic infusion of draft assets, but uh, better than trading away a first-rounder to jettison him, as some would have had do last summer. So they got that. I mean, it's 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 really um, they just got a they got a hit rock bottom. Maybe they trade Farabee. He's been in a slump since December. Got benched. I, I don't even know. I mean, I'm with you. Trade whoever, and I would try. There's there's nobody on this team other than Carter Hart that I'm wedded to, but I don't know what they can do. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we we did last week. I know there were a couple of people. These guys don't know. I want to talk about the Flyers every week as much as they think because I care, because I love hockey, and I enjoyed that franchise so much for so many years. When I moved here um, back in 1987 with that team, with the Kerr Prop Hextall team, and then with the whole Lindros LeClaire era, and, and when hockey is good in this town, people get excited. It's been pathetic for, what, now five, six years more or less? And I don't see any hope it's getting better anytime soon. And like I said, I'm not looking for the uh, unbelievable, this will be the trade that turns the team around deal. Just give me something, Chuck. Just just do something this week, and even if you have to settle for a third for JBR, it's better than rolling them out there going forward. I, I would hope that you could get a second, and maybe they eat a little of the salary to make something like that happen. 
but I, I, I want something to at least make me believe, all right, the future, the, 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 right now the present is as dark as it gets. The future is at least a little bit brighter. And then you can leave too, Chuck? Maybe. I hope so. End of the year. They can't bring him back next year. Cannot yeah. bring him back next year. No, 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 no. Uh, they need changes from the top down. Uh, let's say hi to Jim in Allentown. Jim, uh, what's going on today? Hey, Glenn and uh, Jody, it, this is a real thrill. I, I go all the way back to when you were on FAN following Imus, which is <laughs> a while ago. Yes. Uh, the reason I called, you kind of uh, got on a subject that that's, uh, we have uh, Iron Pig season tickets here in Allentown. And when they instituted the clock, it certainly did help, but it just kind of went away uh, from the consciousness because the players just got used to it. After about half a season, I and mean, we don't even notice it, maybe in two or three, maybe four games, it, it comes into play maybe once, twice, if that, and, and that's it. I, I, so I love the clock, but I had to start almost giggling when you mentioned the, the, uh, the ghost runner at second base and Larry Anderson's head because I could physically see it immediately just going into pieces. <laughs> but uh, but but to me the clock is really the only the only rule that I think really helps and everything else is just extraneous to me. I oh, I don't I know how you guys. Are. I think the shift's a big shift yeah. is big. I I'm not, what hit, learn how to hit it the other way. I, I yeah, maybe but I'm except except no one does. And and <laughs> I don't know was it Larry or Glenn well, who said Freddie Freeman does. Yeah, he's the yeah. one in all of Major League Baseball. He's the one guy who's talented enough to go. Oh yeah, you're gonna shift on me. I'm yeah, gonna hit the well, ball the opposite way. There are how well, many other guys with bats in their hands in Major League Baseball, and none of them, uh, other of those other guys, do it. No, the shift well, is gonna I, be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Here's the, the thing. thing Here's was, the thing. Here's the thing with the shift, yep. if if I may. Okay. And you're saying, like, yeah, I hit the ball the other way. Um, and understand, these guys are trying to cover five pitches, right? And they're all moving. And one is 98 miles an hour, and the other is mm-hmm. 100 miles an hour. And these guys are have come up in a certain way learning it. And it, just going to be able to do whatever they want and hit a ball the left side, it's not that easy. It's really what? not. And while I got you, one other thing that, that you really hit a nerve with me, because I go back to the 60s uh, being a Phillies fan, and it's a long story why I am. But when you talk about out-of-market fans, like these Dallas zombies that I see walking in the streets of Pennsylvania, uh, even here in Allentown, to me it goes way, way, all the way back to that stinking Thanksgiving Day game. It just, I mean, they, they get this national exposure all the time. Oh, well, the Cowboys, one, yeah. With the Cowboys. And the yeah. other one is the Braves. Because of yeah. the early technology and the satellite, Ted That's Turner true. got his station on the CBS. bird. Yep. And all of a sudden, you, you get Braves fans everywhere because you could turn. We, when I was in uh, living in Bethlehem in the seventies, late seventies, whenever that happened, I turn on the TV. I can get a Braves game every stinking night in Allentown, uh, yeah. in Bethlehem. What, yeah, what, it, what, that, and it's it's a great point. I do think the Braves, the, the Cowboys were on CBS second half of the doubleheader all the time, or on obviously Thanksgiving. But yeah, he's right, Jody. I mean, again, this is going to make us sound old, but you know, there was TBS before there was ESPN, and there Correct. was TBS before there was the MLB Network, and you could turn on TBS, and oh my God, look, the Braves are playing the Padres. I can watch something. And it did make the Braves kind of into somewhat of a national team. Two isolated incidents, but absolutely right, that the Cowboys became America's team 
and the Braves became America's team in baseball because of TBS. He's right. There, there's more to it. But you and I were talking more generally of sports fans yes. with other teams. But his two his two examples are right on. I remember Bob Horner and Dale Murphy, right? I mean, it's like I, I remember that Braves team pretty well because they were just always on when it's like and this, and this is before I lived in Philadelphia right so I didn't mm-hmm. really have the Phillies to watch but hey the Braves were always there they were and and to turn his credit he took advantage of that do you remember when he fired the manager and wanted to make himself the manager oh yeah oh he was <laughs> that was my father's heyday as a mover and shaker in baseball and he had to deal with him and he said he was just a, a, a well a, a well-represented individual. He, he handled his business well, but he thought he was just nuts. He, he said, yeah. there's, there's kind of this very important and power-wielding guy, and he's a madman running the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were never good back then, right? I mean, they became good in the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz era, but back then they had all those guys, and they weren't that good. I remember, yeah, I mean, I don't, we got to go to a break, but I remember – First time I ever saw Dale Murphy playing for the Braves, he was a catcher. You remember that? Oof. Yeah, and he couldn't throw the ball back to the mound. That's why they said, listen, we're going to teach you how to play the outfield. Worked out well. Yeah, he did all right. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, Jody Mack, we didn't discuss this after we got off with L.A. because we kind of got into the weeds with all the new rules and the pitch clock and all that. He was pretty optimistic that Andrew Painter is going to make this team out of spring training and extremely impressed with what he saw from the 19-year-old. Which is basically what everybody's been saying since the end of last year. Now, he's got a real first-hand look at it by being on the field when he's throwing bullpens and talking to the guys who are catching him afterwards. Apparently, this kid is the real deal, Glenn. And he's got a chance to help this team this year, and we believe it's going to help this team for the next decade plus. But as I asked L.A., how do you decide how to use him? And you can be dismissive if you want about the the analytics deciding everything in baseball and new people to the game who haven't been around in 25 years making these all-important decisions. Well, that's where we're at, and they do have to have a plan, a course decided for how they're going to handle this young man. And, oh, by the way, people are going to second-guess it. There will be old-school fans that go, wait, what do you mean? Uh, how come he's only pitching uh, once every other time through the rotation? They can't put him on an innings limit. This kid is dominating. It, it'll be a fun sideline narrative to this Philly season. I hope it's one that has more good results than bad results, but it is something that will be debated all year long. I'm still so skeptical. And, and L.A. said out loud with a lot of other people, what I've read a lot of other people saying, I guess what I've heard other people saying, L.A. is somebody whose opinion I trust on this more than just about anybody, right? I mean, he was a terrific pitcher. I think he really knows his stuff. Um, I just, I, and I know you can't relate it to yourself. When I was 19, I was an idiot, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the maturity to be something like a major league pitcher. I think it's a lot to ask, not just in terms of can he throw uh, and will he have poise, you know, going up against major league hitters, but do you do you have the maturity to be there? I guess he does. I've never met him. Everybody says he does. But 
I can't even think of the last teenager who was in the, the major leagues other than Ken Griffey, mm, David he, Clyde, which that's a – don't want to go there. Here's why I downplay that a little bit. Kobe Bryant was 18 when he came into the NBA. Yeah, he, so, he, was, he was a unicorn, man. Okay, so was Kevin Garnett. So that there are guys who jump into the mix. Tyrese Max, he's only twenty, so he's yeah. A so far, they're all older. NBA though, which I I hear your point. I'm not dismissing your point, but NBA, it it is not unusual in the NBA. It is unusual in Major League. Baseball. How how old is the kid Bedard, who everybody wants in the upcoming National Hockey League draft? Oh, he's a kid. Okay. Well, would okay. you send him right. back right. to Saskatchewan yeah. because he's only 19, or would you uh, put him in your lineup because you believe he's that no, good and can and help you, you win know, right listen, away? Listen, Gretzky was the best player in the world when he was 18, 19. Okay. I, I, I would love a baseball comp, though. That's, that's, that's a little different. True. But, and again, different sports have their different ways of handling guys. In the NFL, it never comes into the conversations because you've got to play a minimum of three years in college. Those are their rules, so there yeah. is no 19-year-old who's ever going to make the NFL. Um, but I, I, maybe he is a unicorn as well. Maybe. Andrew Painter may just well be. Uh, let me give you this, Mac. I just saw it on uh, Twitter. Philly's lineup out for today. And yeah. who is batting leadoff? Making his Philly debut? Trey Turner? That would be one Trey Turner. Ooh, Jody. Exactly. Um, nice. Schwarber batting second, Real Muto third, Castellanos fourth, Stott Ooh. fifth, sixth, Johan Rojas in center field. Oh, your, your guy. And I told you I talked about Ben Davis and Tom McCarthy, and McCarthy did say that they're at least going to give him a shot here in spring that they, they would prefer to give him more seasoning in the minor leagues, but he is so far and away their best defensive outfielder to potentially back up. Don't be surprised if he gets a lot of at-bats in spring training to prove whether he does or doesn't have a role on this team to start the season. So who's uh, he's batting, what, seventh, you said? He is batting sixth. sixth. And I, I'll give you the last three guys in the yeah. lineup. Jim Haley, oh, your yeah. thoughts on him as a player? Yeah, he did, uh, he did rock around the clock. Vinell Machine at third uh, base. He's a hitting machine, Jody. And the guy who did hit a home run yesterday, and I liked his swing. He's a big, long, lanky kid. Carlos De La Cruz, who filled in at first base after they lifted Derek Hall yesterday, today is starting in left field. There you go. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, actually looking forward to Carlos's couple of bats today. <laughs> nice work. Mike and Yardley is with us. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about Painter. I understand your apprehension, but I'm more than happy to see what he's got and mm -hmm. what he might be able to do. Um, again, you hope he has the maturity, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a, another point with regard to the rules changes, but I wanted to ask you and, and Jody, um, where – what is the biggest need on this team right now, other than Bryce Harper getting back to the lineup? Um, it seems pretty strong. I, I was thinking that they needed to have a, uh, um, a reliable backup center fielder, but yep. if Rojas is doing well, then where else? A, a utility infielder that can back up at third? I don't know. It, it, it seems like top to bottom they're a pretty strong team right now. Don't disagree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I've been saying this for uh, a month before they ever got to spring training. 
the biggest thing that stands out for me is backup center field, which is yeah. a pretty damn good place to be if that's your biggest hole. Who's going to fill in when Marsh isn't playing against the tough left, left-hander? That That's not too shabby a way to start a season. Yeah, I, I'm pretty enthusiastic about what their chances are, so we'll, we'll see. But I have a question on the rules changes or a, a comment. I haven't heard anybody else make up until now. My biggest concern, I, I like almost everything that they've done. I really uh, think that like the base size thing is really going to have an impact because it's six inches less. You think how many times Real Muto threw somebody out at second, and it was a you know a really bang bang play. Those things are going to be safe now. Um, but the big rule change that <clears throat> has me apprehensive is what's going to happen in the playoffs when a playoff game is decided by an umpire making a call that was a ball and somebody walks. Or, you know, similar thing. I, 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 I am We, we, we talked about this that. earlier, Mike. I oh, you did? Am, okay. Yeah, that, no, that's fine. You're not, you're not required to listen all three <laughs> hours. It's, it's not a law. Um, I am of the mind that by the summer, everybody's going to figure this out, and you will rarely, rarely see those calls. Uh, I really hope so because, you know, I, I, I'm still – bruised from the Super Bowl and, a, and a, yeah. a flag coming out. You know, I see the same thing in the playoffs. Oh, my God. You know, and the Phillies have bases loaded. It looks like ball four to Real Muto. But wait a second. No, second. Gonna, exactly. no, no, no. no. Oh, it's, All right. Well, I thanks, thanks for the nightmare, thought. Mike. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, do you not agree, Jody, that they'll, you know, they'll figure it out? To relate it to the Super Bowl. If there hasn't been one violation on a pitcher and or one violation on the batter and you're in the eighth inning of game seven of the NLCS and a guy gets a force in the tying run walk on a ball three because the pitcher takes a violation. Well, you haven't called it all stinking game. How do you call it in the eighth inning with the bases loaded? You have to have some consistency to it. That's what bothered me about the call against Bradbury. Then called it all game. And then you call it there in that spot. What Did you see the jersey tug? Yeah, you did. Are you telling me there were no jersey tugs for the first three quarters and 12 minutes of that game? Of course there were, and you didn't call it. So you can't call it there in that situation. And I hope Major League Baseball umpires got it the same way come postseason time this year. Today's umpire behind home plate. C.B. Buckner. Buckner. Don't go there, Matt, now. <laughs> Don't go there. Robin Delco is with us. Rob, what do you think about Andrew Painter? Hey, guys. Listen, hey, Glenn. Hey, Jody. How you doing? How are you? Listen, real quick, I spent a second on the searches. I don't know how to feel about that. We're right there. We can play with anybody, but we still can't win. I don't know if I should feel good or bad about last night's game. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent, to be honest with you. Um, you, know, you get that, that crumb. 36-year-old, you know, going five for five on threes. Yeah, um, that particularly hurt. Yeah, that particularly didn't hurt. Didn't do but that anyway, here. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do that here for sure. But they, I still think they can play with anybody. I know I'm, you know, I'm setting myself up for failure, but Sixers, I think, can beat anybody. So I think yeah, they but might. Can they beat the Celtics? They're wow. 0 for 3 against the Celtics this year. They're 0 for the last couple of playoff matchups with the Celtics. That's that's the one that I'm having trouble uh, painting a picture in my own mind that here's how we're going to be able to beat Boston come postseason this year. You, Jody, let's just hope they get knocked out by somebody. 
that that could be. Hey, uh, and and I know uh, Met fans screamed last year. Oh, the Phillies yeah. aren't better than us. We, we we didn't lose to the Phillies. We yeah. would have beaten the Phillies. Yeah, but you lost to the Padres, and the Phillies beat the Padres. So sorry, you're out. You're right. And to touch on the names real fast, Glenn, now I'm going far back, but I'm just going to throw out a bunch of names, and I'll, you can comment when I'm done. Ken Griffey, Miguel Cabrera, Josh Beckett, Juan Soto, um, Manny Machado. Like, there's tons of these younger guys. Everybody else has them. Why can't we? Actually, uh, and, and my accountant who uh, texted me yesterday about something else just uh, reminded me that Bryce Harper was 19. So oh. I, will, I will adjust it. I will adjust it, and I'll say this. Pitchers. Oh, no, 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 you're not wrong because I just looked it up. There have been three pitchers in the last 25 years. Pedro? Is Pedro one? No. no. Uh, Julio Urias of the Dodgers. Yes. Um, Felix Hernandez of the Mariners. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Dylan Felix. Bundy uh, came in at 19. The last one before that was Todd Van Poppel. So with hitters, it's not as unusual with pitchers. Hey, man, we hope so. I'm not rooting against it. I'm just saying it's, it is a rare and wondrous thing. Hopefully we'll have it. Turning ahead, we will be talking some football, some Eagles. Season's over, but there's a lot going on. We will check in with Jimmy Kemsky at phillyvoice.com. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, hey guys, why not take your favorite casino action on the go with you with the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app? Odd slots, bets, games, it's all right there in the palm of your hand, and you can easily take advantage of it. All you got to do is log on in. It's Philly's favorite sportsbook casino app, the only casino app that I recommend and have for over four years. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app has all your favorite casino games, including 8-8 Fortunes, Cleopatra Gold, Wheel of Fortune, and more. Experience roulette, backrack, blackjack, and more, all from the comfort of your home or on your phone. Plus, lots of progressive slots like Divine Fortune, Imperial Wealth, and Venice Amore. Bring the excitement of the casino everywhere you go. Don't miss the limited time offer. New users play now and get up to 750 bonus plus 500 free spins. All your favorite casino games ready when you are at the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Well, yes, that is Devin Weatherspoon, who is a cornerback for the Fighting Illini, who is a finalist for the Thorpe Award, Consensus All-American. And if you... Read Jimmy Kemsky on phillyvoice.com, which you should, or follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You will know that that is the young fellow that Jimmy Kemsky projects the Eels will draft with the 10th overall pick of the draft. Jimmy, I can't tell you watched a lot of Illinois football, but I watched his four-and-a-half-minute highlight film <laughs> and fell in love. And what I love is he hits people. I think you, you said he reminded you of Sheldon Brown that way, and that would be just great. Before we even get started, let me first say that I used to listen to you two mm. when I mowed my lawn in my teenage years. So, nice. in like teenage version in the '90s, me would be blown away that I'm like a guest on your show in the year 2023. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, none of us has aged to... a bit, so that's all good. All right did so Did your dad Did your dad give you at least five bucks for mowing the lawn? That's the yeah. Only I got thing a I very small, uh, you know, little. You know, whatever. Yeah, probably, probably five bucks is right around what I probably yeah, got for mowing the lawn. Bigger than much. Okay. Witherspoon. <laughs> anyway, Devin Witherspoon. Uh, yes. So I actually saw that uh, Daniel Jeremiah had uh, also mocked him to the Eagles. I did mine first. So I wasn't copying Daniel. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I actually published that the week of the Super Bowl. 
So I don't think that many people read that that week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I like his game a lot. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the four-minute highlight reel. He's got a lot of hits in there. Daniel Jeremiah comped into Avante, uh, excuse me, um, Asante Samuel for his playmaking and his, um, you know, and, you know, his ball skills and, and that ability. And you're right. I actually think he's kind of a combo of, of him and, as you mentioned, Sheldon Brown, because he'll come up and hit. There's the one highlight that I, that I think you're thinking of probably with Sheldon Brown where it's a little swing pass. Oh. To the running back in the flat, and he just lays this poor guy Reggie out Bush. Yes. Uh, on the field, like like Sheldon Brown did to Reggie Bush in that Saints playoff game. Uh, so yeah, I, I like him a lot. And if they do stick and pick at pick number ten, then I think you know him or another cornerback like Christian Gonzalez from from Oregon would certainly make some sense in that spot. Jody, we got you. We may have lost Jody there. Every once in a while, we we. We, we lost Jody, so I will ask you another question. Okay. Um, they have pick 10. They have pick 30. Yeah. Uh, I know pick 30, you projected them going for wide receiver Jalen Hyatt out of uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the overall chances that they keep both of those picks, or is it going to be day one from the start, how he's doing some willing and dealing, move up, move down? What do you think? They don't have any picks in the fourth, fifth, or sixth rounds, and I can't possibly imagine Howie being content to just sit there and do nothing for the first four or five hours on day three of the draft. <laughs> so I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't move back from pick number 10 or and or pick number 30 to accumulate more picks uh, on day three, which is actually where I think the strength of this draft probably is. So I think, you know, like, there's, it's a good quarterback draft this year with uh, Chase, uh, with uh, excuse me, Bryce Young uh, from Alabama, Will Levis from from uh, Kentucky, C.J. Stroud, uh, Ohio State, and Anthony Richardson from Florida. Those four guys might all go top ten or somewhere in that vicinity. And then there's two outstanding positional players in uh, Will Anderson from from Alabama and Jalen uh, uh, Jalen uh, Carter from from Georgia. Beyond those guys, it's not super strong at the top of the draft, which a bit like, so like the Eagles pick at number 10 isn't as great as it was when they were looking at, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth pick at one point during the season when the Saints were really struggling. So, yeah, I do think that that they'll probably look to move out of, of either one of those spots and accumulate more picks because they don't have any picks. They have six overall right now. And uh, I think they'll want to, you know, turn those high picks into a bunch of, you know, maybe mid-round type picks. All right, so J.K., by uh, you and others suggesting Eagles going to take a quarterback at number 10, the percentage chance that uh, James Bradbury is back with the Eagles is what, under 10? Yeah, I think he's as good as gone (laughs) because (laughs) he he had a very good year, and they have so much money already tied up in Darius Slay. He was such a bargain after the Giants cut him as a cap casualty in May. His, they just the Giants really kind of did him dirty by by releasing him in May instead of allowing him to test the free agent market yeah. uh, when everyone else got to in March. And the Eagles capitalized on that. And they've had success with signing guys after the draft. Like if you remember the year before, they signed Stephen Nelson, who was fine. He was a totally competent mm-hmm. number two type of corner. So if they wanted to go that route again, they can do that. But his price tag to be a number two cornerback is just going to be way too high. And, uh, yeah, I think it's 
probably somewhere around the 10% mark or lower. So, yeah, I think he's one of those free agents that are very, very likely to be on another team in 2024, in 2023, excuse me. Uh, so let's, let's, you know, they have a lot of free agents. We all know that on both sides of the ball, on, you know, on the lines, in the backfield. Yep. Who do you think are the, the top one or two that they will prioritize, and who do you think are the one or two that's like we, you know we'll never see again? Yeah, Bradbury is the one, uh, and then I think Kaiser White is probably going to be the other guy that moves on to another team because I think they view N'Kobe Dean as uh, a successor in terms of starting next year uh, at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the guys that they, I think they'd love to bring back, it just depends on how much they're going to cost, is Javon Hargrave, who I'll get to him in a second. But then also uh, Chauncey Gordon-Johnson, uh, obviously the safety, who led the league in interceptions this season. As far as Hargrave goes, had so his contract bo- – I'm going to get really nerdy here. <laughs> My apologies to your listeners for boring you in advance. It's all right. But his contract voided on February 20th. So whether he resigns with the team or not, they'll actually have a dead money hit on him in 2023 of like $12 million. So he's already going to cost that on the cap, whether he's on the team or not. If they sign him back, he's going to be very expensive. Like he's going to be somewhere in the range – 15 to 20 million a year and you already got to have to you know you're gonna have to sign Jalen Hurts almost certainly to uh, a long-term contract extension they got to get a lot of other things done as well I'm sure BG is probably going to be back uh you know they they have to make room for for Jason Kelsey who will also need need a new contract if he decides not to retire so there's a lot of guys that they're gonna have to you know pay this offseason and it'll be interesting to see what his market is he had the 11 sacks of course this past season and was uh, an impact player on the interior of the defensive line. Not really a great run stuffer. So he'll make plays in the backfield on occasion in the run game, but he's not like a like a brick wall type of guy that, you know, is just going to clog up the line and, and you're not going to run on him. So, you know, not a totally complete player, but obviously very, very good at what he's great at. So, yeah, he's he's one of the guys that, that's the big one to watch. And, and then C.J. Gardner-Johnson is the other guy. Just kind of changed the way – that uh, they were able to t- uh, take the ball away uh, in the in the first half of the season. And he's versatile, too. So when they lost Devontae Maddox uh, at various points during the season, he could play slot corner. And then they had Reed Blankenship, when they felt comfortable with him, play safety in nickel. So he's an important player because you got to account for Maddox potentially missing time because he's so small and, and you know, has been injury prone. But I think those are really the two guys that you're looking at that, that they have to prioritize if they can find money to clear up. All right, Jimmy, I want to ask you about another Eagle free agent, and it will be debatable this offseason. At least it will be for me, and that's Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. Last year, the Eagles released him, and he was a free agent for, what, 20 minutes before they re-signed him <laughs> yeah. and gave him a new deal at $14 million. Now, he wasn't coming off a earned $14 million type of season. He didn't have a $14 million type season but he seems to be a favorite of the general manager who has gone to great lengths to make sure he stays here. I know he's an all-time Eagle great, and history is important, but will Fletcher Cox still get paid this year, or is this going to be one of those, he's got to come back on a hometown discount, otherwise Fletcher Cox is going to be elsewhere? Yeah, in an offseason in which, uh, you know, Howie really had a, had a great year, he, like an offseason of very logical – um, you know, very good moves. That was one bad one, and it was bad immediately. Like, like as soon as he, as soon as he signed him to that fourteen million dollar deal, I was like, why? Like, it's, it's a player that was 
Fletcher Cox is clearly a player that is, you know, is going to go down as one of the Eagle greats, but he had a bad 2021 season. I thought he was better in 2022. He had seven sacks, which, you know, certainly from the interior defensive line is a good number. Uh, but I don't think he, I think that that's maybe a little bit misleading that the number of sacks in terms of, you know, the type of season he had overall, he was fine. Like he was a fine starter, but at 14 million, you're looking for a guy to make an impact. And I don't know that he made uh, more of an impact than like four or five other guys on that defensive line. So uh, yeah, if, if, he, if they were to bring him back at anything close to that number, in 2023, I think that'd be a huge mistake. And I just don't know because, you know, there are times when the Eagles will overrate uh, some of their own players, and he's been one of them over the years. Uh, he obviously was an elite, like, fantastic, one of the top three type of defensive tackle uh, as, as, early, you know, as, as recently as, like, you know, 2018, for example. But he's kind of fallen off in the last few years, and I think this is maybe the year – where they recognize that he's not the player that I think they thought he was a year ago. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing for another team next year. Jimmy Kemsky is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. What's up uh, with the coordinators? Uh, are they going to go both internal? I know the, the guys who they had come in, who had they brought in to interview for defense coordinator took other, other gigs. Actually one guy, um, mm-hmm. The, the former safety for the Jets said, uh, you, you know what, I'm I'm going to take the year off and get hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, are they both going to be internal? And what do you see as a timetable? Yeah, the Jim Letterbaum was interesting that, that you're alluding to. And then Vance Joseph, they had brought in for uh, interviews, and he took the job with Cardinals, I think. Denver. Denver. Kind of lost Back to Denver. Denver. Excuse me, yeah. I've kind of lost track of you know, where at least yeah. he was with the Cardinals. That's my mistake. Yeah. And then he went to the Broncos, yeah. Uh, I think at offensive – let's start with offensive coordinator because you just haven't heard any reports about them really interviewing anyone there. And I think it's just kind of uh, a given that they're going to promote Brian Johnson from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator or move that will be well-deserved for him and the work that he's done with Jalen Hurts. So um, I just don't think they – I think they just don't announce uh, these assistant coaching moves until they're all set. And then they announce them all in one shot. That's what they've done traditionally over the years. So maybe that's why you haven't heard anything on, along those lines so far. At defensive coordinator, man, like your guess is as good as mine. I think the the most logical in-house candidate is uh, Denard Wilson, who you know a lot of the players are sort of um, vouching for is the wrong way to put it, but um, you know they're, they're sort of promoting him like Darius Slay, the lobbying, and the lobbying. That thank you, and Darius Slay and Chauncey Gardner Johnson have both been outspoken on social media about you know their desire for him to become the defensive coordinator. So we'll see if they go that route. Uh, certainly they interviewed other guys for a reason. Uh, so we'll see, you know, who steps into the, in, into that uh, mix. Vic, Vic Fangio, I think was a guy that they sort of had their, their eyes set on for that job. If, you know, Jonathan Gannon did leave for a head coaching job like he did, but because they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, these guys just aren't going to wait around. I, I hate for, they got to figure out something out for that long term. Just the, the timing of that really screws you up. If they get bounced in the divisional round, I bet Vic Fangio is the Eagles' defensive coordinator right now. Yep. But it just didn't happen that way. So, yeah. um, you know, they, so they're they're left looking for a defensive coordinator now. So, I don't, you're, again, like I said, your guess is as good as mine in terms of who they'll hire there. But I guess you know the, the guy that's kind of remained standing there right now. For now, anyway, it's Denard Wilson who is currently their their you know defensive backs coach. 
you correctly pointed out that Eagles like to announce all their new coaching hires and changes in one fell swoop. Well, we've got like 48 hours until the combine kicks off in Indianapolis <laughs> and usually like to have your coaching staff in place because they're going to be the ones who you're going to lean on a little bit to give us a second opinion on a guy when you see him out there running a 40 or uh, shuttling whatever time mm-hmm. he shuttles. Will we know what the Eagles are going to do with their coaching staff by who walks in the door in Indianapolis on Tuesday? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it's totally necessary to have that in place by then. And if they're not, then they're just going to not answer it when they're up at the podium. On I think they, they talk on Tuesday late afternoon. Um, I don't think they do. They definitely they talk, they talk Tuesday late afternoon. I, I think they'll just kind of not answer any, any questions along those lines if they're not set in stone by then. Um, but, I mean, you know, they're scouts, and their, their whole scouting department will be in on the combine and, and evaluating those players. You'd like to have your staff in place by then, and I think usually they do, of course, have their staff in place by then. But I don't think they'll, they'll view that as an absolute, you know, kind of um, uh, deadline to, to have all those to have all those positions set. I think they want to make sure they get the right people in place as opposed to getting them in there in a timely manner. So, I, I guess, again, like, I, we'll just have to kind of see how that goes. Uh, but, my, you know, certainly, like I said, Brian Johnson is almost certainly going to be the offensive coordinator, in my opinion. And then uh, I would I would probably handicap it as Denard Wilson, the most likely guy to be the defensive coordinator. And then they got to find guys for all the other spots. Right, then you gotta now you got to find positions. a quarterback coach. Yep. You got to find a you know defensive backs coach. Um, and then you know fill in uh, sort of the positions beneath them. They lost Nick Rallis, of course, the linebackers coach, uh, to, to Gannon in uh, in Arizona. So there are a lot of different positions to fill. And it's, it's actually one one thing that's notable last year. For the first time in a very long time, they didn't make any None. coaching staff changes at all. Everyone came back, and I think that was sort of a low-key advantage this season, having sort of everyone on the same page. So it'll be a little bit of a challenge this year that they didn't have last year. All right, last one. we we got to move on. Um, so if you can do this in 30 seconds or less, and <laughs> it's a complex question, so I apologize. That's okay. Your best prediction on when Jalen Hurts signs and what it might be? A bunch of quarterbacks looking for contract extensions or, you know, set to get contract extensions this offseason. And I think the Eagles want to beat them. I think they don't want to have some crazy team, you know, get some quarterback. Daniel Jones. got to beat it with Hurts. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is anywhere near like $40 million. That's bad for the Eagles to be done before Jalen Hurts gets done with the Eagles. But I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think the Eagles are going to give him something in the ballpark of like $50 million per year. I mean, maybe the the – negotiation is in how many years that is the more years the better for the eagles it's not like other sports uh for your listeners like baseball for example uh you know a longer contract is better for the player in the nfl longer contracts better for the team yeah. so i think the eagles will shoot for four years in addition to the final year that he has left on his contract whereas hurts will probably maybe aim to and his and his you know and, and his contingency will will probably aim for more like three years in addition to the end of his contract. So I think that's where the negotiation will be. But I think the $50 million roughly per year is, is pretty much uh, an, a very agreeable type of number for those two, for, for each side. All right, Jimmy Kemsky, always a pleasure. Appreciate the brilliance that you bring. And, uh, again, read them in, uh, on phillyvoice.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky, K-E-M-P-S-K-I. Thank you so much, man. 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it, Jimmy. And, oh, by the way, if you need me, I'll come over and mow your lawn. I'll return the favor. He's he's a fellow <laughs> Marlton guy. He can't live a couple uh, miles from my house, so I'll uh, go over yeah. and mow his lawn if he needs it. Uh, sneaking a call here. Joe in the Northeast. What's on your mind, Joe? Hey, uh, Glenn, uh, Jody. A reference to the, uh, uh, the designated area for the Phillies. Um, until Harper comes back, uh, if, if Harper has the DH for you know the first few weeks back, why not just let it, Hall uh, play first against the, the right-handed pitching, and then if you think yeah, they may. that, they may. and then if, and then against lefties, if you think your defense will be not uh, lessened, you move Bomb over to first against left-handers with the platoon of Harrison and Sosa at third, and that gives them a little, you know, a little uh, some bats. They'll keep them yeah. short. For the year, you know, but and then you, you know what? The, the name that uh, Jody, the name he brings up that's interesting to me is Sosa, who came over from the Cardinals last year, and I thought did a really nice job as a, you know, kind of utility guy. Mm-hmm. As a rookie, and I'm going to get my year screwed up. 2021, I think he had a really nice year, and then last year really stalled for the Cardinals. They gave up and sent him to the Phillies. Do you see any more of an upside from him, other than? guy who can fill in a couple days a week at whatever infield position. Not in Philadelphia. Well, you're going to take you're going to no. take bats away from Stott or or Trey Turner? Well, no. No, no, no. No, no I mean Boehm, I guess if he's cold, but everybody's predicting Boehm's going to have a big year. Bulked up. Getting big, get some power. We'll see. We'll see, but remember Boehm was also on the way out at the in at this time last year. Yeah. Stott was going to be their starting third baseman because right. Bohm got out of the gate slow in spring training. They were ready to write him That's off. Right. And then Bohm right. had a damn good season last That's... year. So I'm not going down that road again. we got to get better than uh, Bohm. And Sosa is not better than Bohm at third base. Um, defensively or offensively? Yeah, all around. Oh, I think he's defensively. Oh, defensively he's better because yeah. Sosa's very good. But, hey, again, you and I discussed this. The corner butchers, one of the two stores, got <laughs> shut down last year. It's still wide open over there at first base, but yeah. Bohm picked up his defense yeah, significantly well. in the second half. Ray will always be remembered. It's one of the great nicknames ever bestowed on, Agreed. Uh, um, well, two guys. 215-592-9494. We'll get your calls coming up. I want to discuss one guy who is very likely to leave the Eagles in the next segment. With Jody McDonald, I am Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, it's winter. Well, it's almost over, and you've endured a lot. Maybe it hasn't convinced you yet to replace your drafty and efficient windows and doors. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The great people at Guided Door and Window can help. They're going to give you to the end of February to do so at their best prices of the year. Now, if you have not taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale, this is your last chance. You receive 40% off every window and door you buy. That's right, 40% of each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window that also includes free high-performance low-E glass and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Offer will expire at the end of February. Don't let this big chance for savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. 
Jody, I play that cut from uh, the great Merrill Reese and Mike Quick for a reason, and it is that we're probably never going to see Miles Sanders in an Eagles uniform again. Um, I know he expressed interest in staying here this last week, but he's he's going to be a cap casualty. You don't give running backs that second contract, um, and I think the Eagles will be fine without him. Um, they still have a great offensive line that you could run behind. You're faster than me. I couldn't, but you could. They have the best running quarterback in the NFL, and that opens up stuff for the other guys. And Jeff Stoutland is a great coach. So they'll let him walk. They'll get a comp pick in the next year's draft. And I guess – well, let me let me stop there and see. ask if you agree with what I've just said or not. Probably. But I'm not as sold as I think the majority of Eagle Nation is. First things first. You still got those Popeye calves? I do. Well, then you could probably run better than me. Uh. They, they move really slow. I have had 10 knee operations, man. Three knee replacements. Yeah, I, my I'm, knees are okay. You always yeah. had the better calves. It takes not, me my, 10 minutes my, to go outside and get the paper in the morning. My knees are in better shape. You're right there. Um, you said something that intrigued me. You don't give a running back that second contract. Well, who is? Is Miles Sanders never going to play in the National Football League again? No, somebody somebody will, and somebody will probably overpay So him. they would be stupid? If that they overpay him, they would. would be stupid ahead of time? Yeah. And I think okay. All right. I, I, if we're banking on there being a foolish team in the well, National Football okay. League and the Eagles are too smart to Let do something this. like that. Okay. There's a, there are a lot of free agent running backs this year. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt. Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, Raheem Moster, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, and, and so there's a lot. So maybe, maybe it becomes a buyer's market and they don't all cash. And maybe you get Miles Sanders to, you know, he doesn't get a huge offer and comes back at kind of your price, you being uh, Howie Roseman's price. Right. In which case I would bring him back. I wouldn't give him the, you know, whatever four-year, I don't know what top running backs make, you know, four-year, $60 million. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not I'm not right. investing long-term in a running back knowing how running backs' careers are not very long. Understood, agreed, but somebody's got to pay him or not. And if it's or not, why not the Eagles? Well, then, I'll t- yeah, again, I'll take him. If he's in the bargain aisle, I'm, I'm, I'll take a look. Right, so that's yeah. why I'm that's disagreeing with a lot of people. Go, we've seen. I think Glenn Macknow just said this. I did. We've seen that. the last of Miles Sanders. I don't know that we have in an eagle uniform. Uh, I'll put it. I'll put a number on it. You can tell me over or under. I say there's a thirty percent chance he comes back. Well, thirty's pretty good. Uh, that that's not zero. So uh, I'll I'll buy your number. I think thirty's a pretty good number, and thirty is better than zip. So I have not written Miles off. If you say, Jody, make the call, yay or nay, is he going to be back? I'm with you. I'd say more nay than yay. But if the NFL reacts the way you you and I think it's going to, that they've devalued running backs. We're talking about the franchise tag this week. The lowest one of any position in the National Football League is running back. How about that? That's the lowest number, $10 million for a uh, franchise tag in the NFL. Uh, defensive linemen, defensive tackles, there's certainly defensive ends, linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks, uh, offensive linemen, in inside, outside, 
the lowest number is running back. So the league has already proven that they don't value the position. And sorry to say this, if you're listening, Miles, it's going to affect you. But it affects him across the league when he gets out there and the market is going to be set by the entire NFL. Maybe the Eagles are in that uh, uh, under what we projected market value and they bring him back because I understand we got a draft to go and there are other free agents. I still like Miles. I think he's a good player, and I don't think very Kenny Gainwell is ready to step in and be a number one back. Do you? Well, that was my, that was my that was my next question. If he does leave, and maybe they'll draft a run. They don't have any middle round picks, but if they get a middle round pick, right, you draft a running back on day two, day three. It, it was not a large sample size of Kenny Gainwell. Late in the year, he played really well, but it was not. You know, it's, it's a handful of games. Um, I don't know that I believe in him as a lead back. I think he's more of a change of pace guy. Do you see it any differently? No. I okay. think he is. He's very suited for the role that the Eagles used him in this year. Uh, I think it was Glenn Mackner who taught me once, sometimes less is more. Yep. Um, that a guy plays a little bit less, but the production actually goes up. Use well, right. the inverse also works. Sometimes less, sometimes more is less that the more you use someone, you find out, uh uh-oh, there are holes in his game. And we were able to stick to just what he was very good at. And now that we're asking him to do that much more, he's doing actually less. I have some fear about Kenny Gainwell that way. And I'll give you the guy I want the Eagles to replace Miles Sanders with if they're going another direction. Uh And they would probably have to use a second-round pick. They've got their second-round pick now, but if they trade down and add another pick, a bunch of things could happen. Zach Charbonneau who played under that football scholar at UCLA, Chip Kelly. Uh, Outstanding running back who is both the guy who can carry the load, catch the ball out of the backfield, 14 touchdowns last year for UCLA. He's probably the third or fourth-ranked running back in most people's ratings of the draft-eligible running backs this year. I think he's the second best back in the draft. I think that only uh, the the kid from Texas is better than he is, and he's going to go uh, before the Eagles get to pick at number 30. If they take him at 10, we'd all be shocked because now he's not going to use a 10 pick no. in the draft no. on a running back. So could he be there at 30? And if he is, would I have to take B. John Robinson? Probably. But if Zach Charbonneau is there in the second or if he falls down to third round like I couldn't believe last year happened with N'Kobe Dean, I would love to get that kid to be the Eagles' number one back. There you go. Guy Charbonneau. No. <laughs> Zach, no relation to Guy. I can assure Joe, you not that. Joe, nor Joe. Not, nor Joe. Who came up earlier today, of all things. <laughs> uh, Robert in Phoenixville. Oh, Robert wants to talk a little college hoops. Boy, we haven't had a lot of that recently. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, uh Nice to talk to you both, Glenn and Jody. Uh, I remember both of you way back in the 90s, so I was one of your listeners. I remember when Jody came on talking about expounding about his uh, you know, his first team he loved, which was the Jets. So I'm a wait, long-time listener. Um, Thank you. So thanks for having me on. Um, I wanted to know what your guys, what your thoughts were about representation of the City Six in the tournament because, you know, a lot of our teams are falling on bad times. Uh, a lot of the teams in the City Six are on three-game, four-game losing streaks. The only the only teams that I see that possibly have a shot um, are Penn, who seems to be doing well because they're in the top four. They're going to do that Ivy League Madness tournament yep. next weekend, and then of course Villanova, and uh, because they they beat two ranked teams in the last two contests. I wanted to know what your thoughts were. 
Penn's got to win their tournament. You're right, and they're capable of doing so. And I think no, at a minimum, even with these two late season wins, have to yeah. make a Big East final. I think they got to get to the Big East final. And we know how good they've been in Madison Square Garden. The question is, was that Villanova or was that Jay Wright? Can the non-Villanova mm. coach Jay Wright team rip off three straight wins next week in New York in the Big East tournament? It really is a shame. Um, I, I, I saw it, and I, and I don't remember it the last time. We haven't had a local team in, in the NCAA tournament. It just doesn't seem right. Oh, I think it's the 70s. I think my buddy Boop Stats, Bob Vitrone, put it up the last time that uh, Philadelphia took an offer for the big dance was, I think, 1977. Yeah, most people listening to the show were not alive to ever see it, and it's just wrong. This is such a great basketball hotbed. Those programs all have such great tradition that if if nobody goes, it'll be – it's not embarrassing, but it's, it's such a disappointment. 215-592-9494. We'll grab a call or two, find out what we forgot to talk about, and turn it over to Phillies preseason baseball with uh, Scott in L.A. on 94 WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, taking up the Phillies baseball. Jody, you had a Jalen Hurts point that you wanted to make. Yes. Uh, when we had Jim Kemsky on, the last question he asked him was about Jalen and the contract and the negotiation and the time frame and everything else. And um, I think both you and Jimmy mentioned there are others that need to get contracts done, quarterbacks that the Eagles want to be ahead of uh, rather than following and maybe have to pay more. Well, one guy you don't have to worry about is Daniel Jones. Mark this down. Daniel Jones will be the New York Giant quarterback next year on a one-year deal at 32 and change million. It's the non-exclusive franchise tag. They're not going to go full-blown exclusive to take them to 45 million. Daniel Jones isn't worth that. Right. But at 32 and change, lock it in. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to play the quarterback roulette game or if there's some other team out there, and we just discussed some teams in the NFL uh, making mistakes with Miles Sanders, um, if someone wants to give him more than that, you say, okay, thank you very much. I'll take, I'll take two first-round draft picks in exchange. Yeah. That's what you get for the non-exclusive franchise tag. If some other team signs him, you get two firsts. They would move away from Daniel Jones for two first-round picks in a millisecond. So he will either be back as uh, their quarterback for 32 and change or be elsewhere so the Eagles don't have to worry about what happens with Daniel Jones when it comes to uh, comparing him to what the contract is going to be for Jalen Hurts. Very good call. That makes a lot of sense to me. Let's talk to Clay in Kansas City. What's up? Hey, Clay, are they they still all uh, high and mighty over there, as they should be? (laughs) It's getting a little bit better. I like the college basketball call, though, Glenn. I'm not going to lie. I'm a KU fan also. So oh, it's go. nice to be able to transition to college basketball here. Sure. Um, hey, real real quick, I I don't understand. Fletcher Cox's dead cap hit, I think, is $10 million, right? Like, they, they're charged that no matter what, I believe. He's 32 years old. He'll be 33 in the season. I don't – I think he's coming back. I think he's a highly underappreciated – player on this roster i think he's a great rotational guy i just don't think anybody's going to pay him the kind of money that it's not going to make sense for the eagles to bring him back i think nadama can might come back too that's just my thought um i don't know what your you guys thoughts on that i have, I have a thought on the draft too I, i'd be first. i'd be surprised 
Um, I really do believe that uh, he's one of those guys who will be elsewhere next year, even though he'd like to stay. And I know Howie Roseman has an affinity for him, but like you just said, it's a position where you're not even playing 100% of the time. You're playing 45% of the time. How, I know how much the Eagles value the trenches, but you can overvalue it and you can overpay. They overpaid Fletcher Cox this past year. I don't think they make that mistake again. That, that, that's fair. One, one question or one thought real quick on the draft. The Eagles are in a really great position this year in the draft, not just because of the picks, but if you look at how things are slotted, they're going to need a cornerback, and they're going to need a running back. And there's a lot of depth there. I think they could get the, the running back in the third round and the cornerback in the second round. And I think Howie's going to trade back. Uh, and I think he'll be really smart From to do 10? it so we can get more picks. He may. So I think uh, – actually, you may have said this before the show, Jody. More likely to trade that second first-round pick than the first one. There's value to both. Here's here's where I and everybody does this. If you're a big football fan, you value well. You know, with me, it's kind of in my DNA the play a scout role. I don't. I love the two first quarterbacks in this draft, and I don't love anybody else. And if somebody's desperate to move up for Will Levitz or Anthony Richardson and is ready to blatantly overpay, and now he doesn't have to drop down all that far, oh, I think they can trade number 10 too. I think both of the moves in the first round are potentially triggered by quarterbacks. If someone wants to move in and take one of those two other quarterbacks who aren't going to go 1-2 or 1-3 in the draft, let him. Or if somebody's desperate to move up into the first round to get a quarterback and give him a five-year contract, let him. I think he was actually in very good trading position for either of those two picks. All right. Uh, let us go to our producer, Dan Wilson, find out what we forgot to talk about today. Daniel. Yeah, so a few things. Uh, here's some news that broke uh, during the early hours of our show. I'm not sure if you guys saw this. Uh, the San Diego Padres and Manny Machado reaching an agreement, an 11-year, $350 million contract extension. This means he now makes more than Bryce Harper, around $31 million a year. Yeah, no surprise. The, the, the Padres wanted to keep him, so it doesn't surprise me. I had heard that they were negotiating an extension. You're right. I saw they got it done earlier. Compare the now Manny Machado contract that's going to run longer than the Bryce Harper contract, and Harper's contract becomes a team-friendly deal, and the Phillies did a good job by getting the deal done the way they did. Yeah, no question. And I and listen, Manny Machado was a great player. I take nothing away from that, but I think most Phillies fans and the Phillies themselves, because they talked to both of them, they were both in consideration signing Harper. An injury you can't predict, but I think it was – it is proving to be the correct move. All right, what else we got? Uh, Glenn and I were talking about this before the show. Very cool thing that happened at the end of last night's Bruins and Vancouver Canucks game. Canucks down 2-1. to one. Pull the goalie, and this happened. Connor Garland off Besser's stick. Olmark is going to try it, and he scores! Linus Olmark, the odds-on Vezinet Trophy winner, scores an Always cool when the goalie puts one in the back of the net. I love it. Who's do you know who the broadcaster is? I love the broadcast. I'm assuming it's I don't know the name. It was the Bruins broadcast. Jody, I was in the building when Ron Hextall scored a goal, and I've seen a lot of amazing things in my life, as you have at stadiums and arenas. It's a top tenner for me. It's such a rare and wondrous thing. And Hexy was one of the best at uh, being able to play the puck with his stick. 
uh, last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, I will tell you he was one of the best in the National Hockey League. And if a goalie was going to score a goal, it did not surprise me that it was Ron Hextall. Yeah, I, uh, good for that kid last night. That that's I don't I don't know how many times it's now happened in history. Maybe a half a dozen. Think that's a good estimate. It's a rare, it's a rare and beautiful thing. Right. Maybe every other year, somewhere there. Yeah. About. All right, what else, Dan? I got one more quick one for you guys. Here's a clip I'm actually interested if you guys are familiar with. It was 11 years ago today. The U.S. Open in bowling. Pete Weber bowling in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and maybe the most famous instance of smack talk in modern day history took place. <laughs> strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That's it! That is why I did it! That's number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! <laughs> February 26th, 2012. Always a great clip to watch. Uh, we we got to bring back this week in sport. Well, it was Philly sports history. Where did that occur? Uh, that New was at the Brunswick, U.S. Open New in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Oh, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of that, Jody, is says, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> you still no one knows what it means. But... Right. Do we, is he talking to somebody specifically? Yeah. So he, he later did an interview like years after the fact that some kid was heckling him during the entire time and he was trying to talk back to him and that just came out oh and he uh, still he doesn't even know what it means nothing like heckling a fan yeah <laughs> it is great um all right so jody phillies coming up next i forget who they play today the tigers twins twins the phillies against the twins and you had the lineup earlier uh some of the regulars playing yeah, today, top, including the, the top first of the five guys are uh, the regulars and johan rojas in center field uh, keep an eye on him throughout spring training. He's got a chance to make the team as the backup center fielder. Do we know who's pitching today? Uh, Bellotti is starting. It was supposed to be kind of Brogdon, but the lineup I saw actually said Bellotti gets inning number one, but it'll probably be nine different guys for nine different innings. Well, that is interesting for an entirely interesting reason, which we brought up today. I saw today, and I think I saw – well, it's a StatCast number – but I saw it on the uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia website that said the Phillies have many pitchers who worked the slowest last season. According to StatCast, reliever Andrew Bellotti averaged 18.6 seconds per pitch with the bases empty, sixth slowest in baseball, and 21.3 seconds per pitch with runners on, tied for 13th. So may, it'll be interesting that that pitch clock could uh, become a factor today. Stay tuned for it right here on WIP because Bellotti will be on the clock in inning number one. All right. What do you got going uh, the rest of the day? Anything good? Uh, I got a show to do on CBS Sports Radio, pal. There you go. Okay. Well, you're a busy man. Hey, don't forget, Jody, next week you're coming out. You're going to do the beer show with me. Oh, that's right. You know what? Uh, it's uh, I got to – I'll say this if you got about a minute. Um, I am going to have you and I do a blind taste test of the popular macro lagers, your kind of beer. Cool. And somebody wants to join us as a guest guest, guest sub host, Boxcar Eddie Hospidar. Oh, love Boxcar. <laughs> he reached out and he says, I love your show. Can I come and watch? I said, come and watch. You can come participate. Well, drag him up on the stage. Exactly. So we're going to line up, you you and I in Boxcar, like a half a dozen, that may be too many, maybe four or five, and we'll we'll cover the cans, and we'll we'll do, I know you're a Bud guy, and we'll do, uh, my favorite of those is Miller High Life, 
maybe a Coors Banquet, uh, Molson Gold, and we'll figure it out, and we'll choose blindly which is the best. Is that a very good nice. time? I am very much looking forward to it, but it'll be my pleasure. All right. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, everybody stay tuned. Phillies baseball is coming up. It is a very fun team that they have this year. And as Jody said earlier, Trey Turner playing, leading off. It's going to be at least the top of the order, the guys that you're going to see during the regular season. And I'm excited to see Trey Turner. Excited to hear Fransky and L.A. call it. Dan Wilson did a terrific job producing today. Uh, I'll be back next Saturday with Mike Sielski. As Jody said, you can hear him on CBS Sports Radio. Everybody, enjoy the Phillies. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week right here on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.